From beyond the farthest reaches of our galaxy they come. Two brains pulsing with a strange energy. These space brains come to share their love of science fiction movies. Welcome to Space Brains, the show where we joy watch sci-fi movies and then talk about what was good and what was great. I'm Surrey and this is Mark. Hiya. Tonight we're talking about Akira. It's a 1988 film and it is a classic for episode 40, Surrey. Episode 40. Warning. Spoiler warning. We're going to talk all about this film. So if you haven't seen it, you better go get yourself a copy and watch it and then come back. Yeah, please come back. Please come back. Um, and seeing how you're good at all of the Japanese names, oh. sorry, I'm going to hand it over to you tonight for all the names because I feel that last time you put it on me, I started saying some Japanese. It was terrible. <laughs> and then you just came in. Whoop, here we go. Okay, let's, let's try this. The, uh, directed by Katsuhiro Otomo. Beautiful. Uh, with writing reds, Katsuhiro Otomo. Uh, Izo Hashimoto. Hashimoto, hey? Uh, Katsuhiro Otomo and um, so he had a big role because he did the manga. Did, he did the whole he wrote, he wrote and directed, but he got another another writer in there. And basically, Akira, it's a really simple premise, isn't it? Yeah, uh, <laughs> simple, is it? I think it's simple. We yeah, have basically yeah, a teenage boy gets put into a military uh, experiment. And from that becomes a super villain, or is he a superhero? A super monster. Well, see, this is why it's because the the plot is relatively straightforward, but the story and the background and the, and the implications of it, yeah. as with many anime, is, is a little bit more um, philosophical. It's like, ah, it's like deep. Gantz, this film, this is deep. Gantz Zero was one which is again quite simple. Guy suddenly appears, this mysterious orb sends him a game to kill monsters. Yeah. Okay, and, and that's basically what they do. The whole thing is not multiple games, not multiple sessions. It's just one thing. Yeah. But when you start looking into, well, what, what are the illusions? What are they mm. talking about? What's the social implications? What, what other bits and pieces? Yeah. yeah. So, and Akira is likewise. And uh, there's a couple of bits and pieces like that. Now, although this is a classic, I was a complete virgin sitting down, watching this film. But I believe, is this one of your favourite science fiction films? This or is, your favourite? What is the deal, it's one, it's one of them. It's quite a classic. I saw it back, and probably this probably helps, because I saw it back when I was a teenager in high school. Mm. Uh, it was released 1988. Um, I'm not sure if that's a global release. I can't remember. Mm. I saw it so a couple of years after that in the cinemas yeah. here in Australia. It was like in one of these um, special cinemas. You know, you know, every city yeah. has has the art house cinema. Yeah, the right? art house that one, does yeah. that sort of thing. Like in Canberra, it was. Oh, I don't remember what it was called. Moonlight, what? Moonlight Cinema. Oh yeah, something like that. Something like that. In Perth, it's Luna. Luna is in probably Perth. the one. Yeah, and yeah, so 
uh, yeah, I, I saw it there with a, a couple of friends. Um, one of my friends is quite into uh, manga and anime. Prior to that, I'd, I'd seen a bit here mm. and there. Um, obviously, I've watched there's a, the Robotech saga, which Macross and Southern Cross and so on back oh, in the early 80s. And Astro Boy. I've seen Astro yeah, Boy. Yeah, Astro Boy, yeah. But Akira's the first little... proper adult movie you know there's, there's yeah. people being blown to pieces and yeah. limbs shot off and Blood. guts spilling on the yeah. floor and you know it's quite brutal in many cases and at the time in say you know 88 90 that sort of yeah. time cartoons were kids shows yeah as far as westerns were concerned and so even though as i, I mentioned those other ones like astro boy it does have the occasional deeper theme, but it's still pretty, it's kiddy, yeah. pretty much it's good. geared towards kids. Yeah. And likewise, then with the the Robotech saga, uh, would be geared towards sort of twelve year olds, thirteen year olds. Although I've I've got I've got it somewhere on my computer. It's I'm going to watch it through again with my kids. Uh, but this one here was the first one where I watched it and went, "Holy moly! <laughs> I'm going to get more of that." And I think a lot of people had this same deal because it it presents the story being a japanese story mm. being shown to westerners it it deviates in so many ways from the hollywood way yeah. of doing things so so for you was the attraction the fact do you think that was your number one attraction that the uh you were watching an adult cartoon like in the spectacle of that or was it and you were kind of like oh blood and guts awesome but it's in a cartoon from like the novelty of that do you think that's what then? Oh, that got the Steve? that got the attention, I reckon. Yeah. So that that got the attention, uh, but the the real thing was then you watch through with this sort of action, and it ends strangely. It has yeah. like an almost two thousand and one feeling it to it, yeah, sort of ending, yeah. which invariably promotes you to uh, or prompts you to to have those philosophical <laughs> philosophical questions where you go, well, well, what is the meaning of mm. that? You know, how does that work out? It's one of those, it is one of those films that uh, it made me, you know, and I, I, I saw the attraction when I watched it now as a virgin watching this film, um, that, yeah, like it, a lot of those other films that really stand out to me, like 2001, when you talk about science fiction, or uh, Total Recall is another one, where you kind of, when the credits roll, you, you're, you're thinking, you know, mm. you're, you're, you are actually on a bit of a, questioning pathway thanks to the story and thanks to the way they put the film together um that you're not just like sometimes you watch a film and at the end you're like yeah awesome you know and it's like the feeling is good but you pretty much could just walk out and go get a well, burger or a beer exactly or whatever what and, and have a good time but a Luke film said, like this isn't it? He, yeah, said, yeah. he said if at the end of the film you turn to your friend and go oh so what should we eat for dinner yeah <laughs> it's kind of yeah a, a bit of it's not as good yes um, and I found that also recently, again, with Interstellar, and I know a lot of people, you know, Christopher Nolan, this and that, but like Interstellar, I kept thinking about it for three or four days after I kept kind of, and it wasn't so much the plot, but it was kind of the idea of Interstellar. So if you want to know more about what we think about it, go backwards to uh, a previous episode. We did Interstellar. Um, so go check that out. But yeah, that was probably the most, one of the most recent films that kind of, in my brain, three or four days later, I'm still stuck with it. Mm. And um, this film, Akira, did it a little bit to me again. That it's like 
when the credits rolled and stuff, I was like, I was happy, I was satisfied, but I was also like, oh, okay, that's an interesting proposal, you know, of the ending. Yeah. So do you think that's also why that kind of hooked you on this Yeah, film? yeah, exactly. It's because you get that satisfying action hit and uh, intensity and, uh, you know, massive, you know, epicness. Mm. But then at the end, it sort of goes that sort of a bit weird and you sort of think, oh, what's that all about? Like, what are they trying to say about this? So there's a really cool moment in the film uh, towards the end where he, um, uh, Tetsu, rips the fabric and kind of does a really fake Superman cape because he's basically, is he as powerful as a superhero? Yes. Is he as powerful as a god? Maybe. But he rips this really and it's red and it's it's blood red. And I'll come back to that later because there's definitely a symbol of blood red in this film. But when he when he puts that on and he's waving, then he then there's this like, you know, I think the plot goes somewhere else. But he, he comes back to a shot where it's like Tetsu and he like turns to camera. That shirt that that image was a t shirt mm. in the nineties. And I never I never really got it, I don't think. But it was a shirt that was sold where I went shopping where band there, shirts were sold and a movie couple shirts. shots from this a film. cult image, isn't it? That mm. shirt. And when I saw that, I'm like, ah, oh, that is <laughs> you know, like I didn't. I don't know if I knew anyone personally that wore that shirt, but the circles of punk rock uh, in Perth that I used to hang around with and go to concerts and all of those kind of like more underground musical scene. That was a shirt that kind of was on the fringes of that yeah. community. You know, did you did you remember that as a t-shirt? Uh, I remember seeing it as a poster, and yeah. it's been used in uh, music video clips. I saw. I can't. I can't tell you yeah, which yeah. one now, but. Uh, but I do remember seeing it. Yeah, so it's like a pop icon, isn't it? Or cultural icon or whatever they call it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's because Akira did have quite a bit of a, a an effect a when it hit the West. And it's just like, oh, that's really interesting. Mm. But yeah. That's... Did you own the shirt? No, I, I don't buy Did you own the poster? No, I don't buy posters. You didn't get, didn't get into that? I don't, I don't buy pop culture. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't understand the owning yeah. of these things. So what did you think going back and watching it again now? How many times have you seen this film? I've only, I've only seen it um, four or five times. This would be... It's a fair amount, but That's a fair amount. This, this would be the first time in, in probably 15 years or so. Like since moving over here from Melbourne, I haven't seen it. So I was curious, and I got an updated version of it. So the, mm. I, I had the option between the 1988 original theatrical mm. and then one which was uh, remastered okay. for Blu-ray. Right. So uh, I assume they, they cleaned up some of the animation. So well, I didn't really notice that because I suppose I'm so used to now watching mm. higher definition pictures. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but it had an alternate soundtrack. So an, uh, they'd redubbed the voices. And it was very interesting because there's um, a lot of dialogue that I remember from watching it the first time, which wasn't yeah. in the second one. There's, oh, okay. So, in particular, there's the riot scene towards the start where Kay... Kay or Cade? I never quite picked up a name, but Kay is... I thought it was Kay. But... She's sort of walking through and there's like billowing smoke from the, the, the gas grenades that the cops are shooting off. And she sort of ducks back into the smoke as, as some cops come through. Yep. But then there's like a, another shot where there's a swirling smoke and there's a clearing. And a cop comes out one way and a protester comes the other way. And the cop shoots at point blank the, the gas canister into the guy's guts. 
I'm pretty sure in the original one, he says scum. He says scum and shoots boom and knocks him out. In this one, it was silent. Mm. No no speech, nothing. It was just this cop just turned, Terminator style, shot him. And it was a totally different effect. Yeah. Because in the first one, there was that sort of anger of like, you, you're yeah, scum, yeah. shoot. And this one, it was a more detached yeah. effect. I know there's a moment, because I think I just watched, I just did a digital platform uh, YouTube, actually. I just went through YouTube, paid YouTube for the film. And um, through Mad Men, I think it is, or something, yeah, which is distributed Man. in Australia. Um, two ninety nine. So if you if you need to go watch the film, pretty cheap. Two ninety nine to rent it for no. two days. You know, um, Australian. <laughs> um, so next to nothing, really. Uh, cheaper than a cup of coffee um, for a good couple of hours of entertainment. And uh, but I'm pretty sure I don't know if it's exactly that moment, but because you're just saying that, there's a moment where. They do like when they shoot, and they, I think it's when they shoot that man that's protecting the boy. And one of them's on the version I watched. One of them's like asshole, asshole. like like to the to, after they've just shot the guy dead, you know, yeah. like or, and they walk. The cops are walking away. There's and there's a moment later, I think, when the other riots are going on, and and they, and they like they say, "You guys are assholes," like yeah. you know, as they're like firing the cops and the rioters are kind of fighting. So uh, yeah, just because you've said that, and I liked that because I kind of thought that was a bit more to me, realistic, you know, that the, the tensions would boil up in this story, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it was, it was, it was interesting to get this different audio because uh, they had, uh, the original audio had a more typical uh, dubbing of an anime, so Kay's voice was sort of high-pitched and particularly girly. Yeah. Whereas in the one I watched, it was uh, a lower-pitched, more modern female voice if right. that makes any sense yeah uh, a bit more serious sounding okay and and i'm pretty sure there are a couple of little dialogues because one thing that i they pronounced akira differently yeah so i heard it always as akira 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 but in this one is akira they uh, kept calling yeah, it yeah. akira and instead of canada which is how it was pronounced originally it was canada <laughs> no no canada canada yeah. almost canada but canada <laughs> you know like it was just a little bit so it's just interesting, uh, these subtle differences. And the other thing I noticed was it, I think they cleaned up some of the dialogue to make it easier to follow uh, what was sort of being presented because I remember watching the first time and I had no clue what this Akira thing was about. Like they kept talking about it's Akira, it's Akira. Like, I'm like, what, what the hell? Like yeah. what is this Akira thing? It's like sounds like a person's name, but you keep talking about it like it's not a name. Whereas in the one I watched a couple of nights ago, it was, um, I think that changed the dialogue slightly and, and gave, you know, the way they, they referred to Akira, it made it clearer that Akira was um, a person. So sorry, what was your number one takeaway from Akira? Number one takeaway from Akira. <laughs> Oh, you do it with such a better accent. More right? seriously than unusual. So my number yeah. one takeaway is we each have within us the potential to create massive change in the world. But that same potential can result in terrible destruction if we don't marry it to the correct intent. Wow. Okay. And that, that is super serious. Sorry. That, that comes from the prison scene where Kaneda and Kay are in prison. And Kay explains a bit about Oh, yeah. Uh, it's Akira. a good scene, that one. I like that. And 
And that's what I mean. I think the dialogue, was a little, the scripture is a little bit clearer for me this time. I think because it was an updated dub, that it sort of made a bit more sense what she was talking about a little less. Or maybe I'm just older and wiser. Yeah. But it was. Is I really liked that. Um, and it's a very Japanese way of thinking about these things. Is that? Yeah. It was just this this Akira power comes from. Yeah, you know, she's saying basically humans. We we can. We can extend beyond ourselves. We yeah. can come up with poetry. We can come up with art. We can build buildings and come up with engineering and all these things. And that takes, uh, you know, an input, an energy, she says. Yeah. And, you know, obviously we get that energy from eating food and we expend it by burning it. But she goes on to sort of say, you know, I guess this idea that there's more, it's more like we're sort of hooking into some sort of, larger yeah. state and if we and we all have this capability of being bigger and stronger and better and I, I think it's got the double meaning there of being obviously in Akira literally he became psychic and could do yeah. stuff yeah. but I think it's more the case is that it's more that within us we all can make the world a better place we can all help people and grow and become better mm-hmm. but if we have bad intentions if, if we don't do it well, we have just as much power to hurt the people around us and to hurt ourselves and to make the world a worse place. Yes. <laughs> and then it's just this, okay, now imagine though that your um, your connection to this capacity, this potential was amplified because they, they, they gave them drugs and stuff, like experimentation on them, was amplified and you lost control of it. Yeah. Well, now suddenly, yeah, you can create, but what does Tetsuo create? He creates a whole lot of weird fleshy limbs and bits and pieces flapping about the place. It was a bit <laughs> gross. You but pretty yeah. much just answered my the question you asked me through that, but haven't yeah, you? Yeah, well, like, so <laughs> a hope, warning, yeah. or experiment. Uh, go rewind back 30 seconds. <laughs> Listen to sorry. Yeah, it's pretty much hope. I suppose to add to what you've just said, I think that definitely by the end of the film you have that scene you also have the scene where they're sort of saying that um they they need to come together to kind of like take him on um tetsu on uh they also are basically saying that through k it is k isn't it yeah Mm. it is k that she's already begun the process herself that you know and even then the children the super super i just called them super kids (laughs) <laughs> when I was writing down my notes. So they're like the three children that have the, the power, like actually have the powers, um, they also risk themselves for the greater good of society. And it kind of felt like they, because they even questioned that a couple of times. They're like, oh, yeah. if we do that, we're going to die. Like, or we might die. We might not be able to come back. Oh, but maybe collectively we could work together and come back, but maybe not. But it's a kid. It's worth saving this other kid. So it's like, it's again, it's like very hopeful. Like no, at no time I've felt throughout the whole well, film yeah, like, it's they, like kept... they It's like they themselves, they were kids. They were, they were yeah, yeah. child bodies. But the thing is, they weren't young. No, they weren't young. They were old no. children. Yeah. And it's like at the end there, that was sort of representative of the people who had discovered their inner ability to influence the world. Yeah. But didn't really use it or didn't know how to use it, didn't want to use it. By the end, they grew up and went, you know what? We could use it to make the, to leave the world a better place. Yes. Yeah. We won't be here to see it, but we'll know that we've done the right thing. Yeah. 
and says it's beautiful. I think it was beautiful. I, I walked out at the end of the, I shouldn't say walked out. What am I talking about? But turned I YouTube turned, off. Turned YouTube <laughs> off. Uh, pressed pause um, on my space bar and felt warm and fuzzies from this film. That's what it's yeah, going. which is yeah. really counterintuitive considering the ending is basically a nuclear apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, which is again, one of these uh, Japanese cultural deals. Because like, you've got to think, 1988 was released. Uh, the manga itself was done during the 80s. Yeah. So years before. That's only like 40 years after World War Two, after yeah. nuclear, nuclear bombs bomb. literally devastated two cities and killed hundreds of thousands of people. And out of that came a stronger, bigger, better society, which... Um, arguably, is more socially aware. I mean, you can argue, as I said, one way or the other about Japan, but certainly during the war and pre-war, Japan was not as uh, metropolitan or socially um, connected to mm. the world. Yeah. After they got blown up by a couple of nukes, they got forced out and they found that they could actually adapt yeah. to it. And to put that in perspective, that's only 40 years. So that would be like from now when I'm recording this to 1980. Yeah. Yeah, we're watching 1980s movies. Um, my parents were you know, adults in 1980. So yeah. you've got to think that the people who were reading this anime, yeah. or this manga and watching this, their parents could very well have been living with the direct after effects they would have of been, yeah. a nuclear devastation. Yeah, yeah. And that the question of where does society go now? How do we recover from this? What does this mean for yeah, us? Yeah, and that's probably without, you know, it'd be great to speak to the writer and director, but it's, it's you know, that's probably where he gave birth to this idea, of course, because culturally, how significant is those nuclear bombs on their society? You know, devastating and that's where, physically, mentally, spiritually. And that's where Godzilla comes from as well. Godzilla yeah. is the, you know, the nuclear dinosaur, the nuclear monster yeah. that destroys cities. Yeah. It's literally came from that that sort of thing. They've got a whole lot of this. Um, the Japanese apocalypse literature or fiction tends to be a hopeful thing, yeah. which is really weird. Like yeah. something good comes from uh, Godzilla destroying everything. You find out that he's been doing something good and protecting people, even though he's destroyed so much. Yeah. So it's a fascinating movie. It is. And I also, the final note for the hope side of it, of course, is that whole message you were just saying, that scene, I I also interpreted like it means that humans could tap into this kind of old genetic information, even back to the Big Bang mm. and maybe before the Big Bang about the universe. And so it's like, it's like we're not only just evolved monkeys on this planet. It's like we have that ability to kind of tap into something that is, like it's bigger than us, isn't it? It's like a universal energy, and so I think that's a very hopeful thing. Yes, the Akashic record. <laughs> so sorry. What's one thing that you've been doing since the last time we spoke? Oh. Spoke with Mr. Luke Spark. Spoke with Mr. Luke Spark. I sold my house. Oh. So I've got to say that most of my creative efforts have been going into cleaning up for a house do thing. Is this is this why the recording studio was all packed up? That's why the recording I, I, I wasn't allowed in tonight. It belongs to someone else. The green screen is gone. <laughs> yeah, the, the ring light Our producer's is... not here like he normally is. The camera crew, they're not here. Camera crew's gone. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've gotten back into, you know, I'm obviously just finished revising my novel and that would be great. So 
Uh, keep an ear out for further promotion of that yes. hot garbage. I mean, awesomeness. And Mark, other than taking dips in the ocean after school drop-off, what's been keeping you chill? Keeping me chilled? Jeez. I was just trying to tie in the, the <laughs> jump in the ocean. Jump in the ocean, yeah. We've had some nice weather lately. Yeah, we have actually, haven't we? Um, I have been pushing ahead with my little documentary. So the documentary, nothing science fiction related, but very Mandra related. Um, so that is progressing nicely. Still can't say too much about it because it's just a little baby. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm getting excited about it, pumping through it. Unfortunately, the next couple of weeks is kind of school holidays. So it's a lot of dips in the ocean with the kids, yes, <laughs> forcing yes. them in and country drives and just, of course, getting into that parental zone a bit too much and not being able to yeah, so I have to write and stuff. Turning the kids know? out of the office saying, yeah. it looks like I'm here, but I'm actually still at work. Yeah. You have yeah. to wait until after work. Yeah. So I'm, I'm uh, like, I'm got, next week I'm busy with swimming lessons. So it's nothing again. Oh yeah, swimming it's exciting. Lessons. My kids yeah. are doing that. Are they? Yeah. Our kids are doing it too at, at the local pool centre. So cool. yeah, but yeah, I'm excited about the doc. I've just got to sort of tie up the interviews and that. As soon as the school holidays are over, that's when I'm basically shooting. So yeah, I'm excited about that. Yeah. Shooting, not a laser cannon. Not a laser cannon, no. Shooting a camera. Uh, well, laser cans are pretty cool, though. Yeah. So let's let's go into this this movie, Akira. I know. Well, it was funny you said about the pronunciation of things because in the version I watched, which I think is the original, I presume. Now that you're saying all this, but they kind of like even Tetsu. Like I was picking up Tetsu, but then it's like there was a couple other characters that called him something a little Tetsuo. bit different. Yeah, Tetsuro, and and uh, with um, what's the um, you said Canada. <laughs> I'll say Canada. Canada. Uh, he got kind of called a couple of different names. So it kind of felt like the like by different characters. Yes. So it wasn't like the one guy called him. They kind of added a bit of different... I don't, I don't know what the deal was there. But anyway, so whatever version you end up watching, just be prepared that some of the dubbing might be a little bit off at different parts. So we have an opening image that is very iconic of the nuclear blast we were talking about. And we yes. have Tokyo, 1988, 16th July is written across the screen. And then it is like an atomic explosion goes off. Kablumo. Yeah. Yes, beautiful. And then really quickly it says uh, it's 31 years after World War Three, which again is very like, I was like, oh, this, I mean, you talk about the influence of the war. I mean, it's pretty much saying that this is a story of taking us into another war. Um, and then it also tells us it's AD 2019 Neo-Tokyo. Neo-Tokyo. Yeah. Well, that's a staple, though, of cyberpunk fiction is yeah. to put, do Neo-whatever. Neo. You know? And Neo-Tokyo <laughs> Neo. is, is... Neo is quite... Yeah, I was like, Matrix. I don't know if Neo Tokyo from Akira was the first Neo whatever. Mm. Probably not. But certainly from this point forward, anytime you've got some sort of, you know, um, cyberpunk or similar sort of view. But yeah, yeah. 31 years after World War Three. Mm. So, so society has yeah. progressed, you know. And then we have the big uh, red 
blood red, and I'm going to come back to this and I'm going to sort of pick on it, but blood red is definitely a symbol in this film. So if you watch it, or if you watch, hopefully you have watched it already, just take note of the blood red used throughout. Um, but yeah, we have a big blood red um, title of Akira. Akira. <laughs> uh, and we have this cool kind of, I loved this because it's like a futuristic huge city, Tokyo, Neo Tokyo, but it's like rubbish and graffiti, very, you know, like Escape from New York, you know how like yes. that's all like we're in New York, but it's like a really shitty, gritty it's even city. Crappier yeah, it's even city. crappier than the city. Well, because we the in. thing is, Tokyo is actually really quite clean. Yeah, I know. I can Com- imagine. Compared yeah. to large cities, I mean, it's obviously not. Yeah. Sparkling, no. But compared to, for example, parts of Sydney or parts of New yeah. York, London, it is it is quite tidy, quite quite tidy. Um, and we have this man entering this kind of shitty bar, uh, and there's these, yeah, this kind of man stumbles into this bar, doesn't he? Like, has a drink, um, and these young guys that are there around the jukebox, isn't it? Yeah, the jukebox, the jukebox, a data jukebox or something. Yeah, it's got CDs instead of... Because you remember the 88 CDs yeah. were still relatively new. Yeah, I don't know if they... Did they really exist in 88? Was it more like 90? Well, they they got mainstream in 90, but yeah. they're certainly around 88. Okay. Remind me, what was I watching the other night where they had, they had a, a, a little Laser mini, disc. A mini disc. Mini disc. Well, was... Demolition Man does a little tiny disc. Yeah, it's just like, mm, okay. Well, yeah, one of the young punks... Comes bursts into the bar and knocks the dude drinking. Yeah, and says something about the uh, the clowns. Uh, yeah, somewhere or other. I, I can never quite catch where there was, but it's the clowns. The clowns. Oh my god, the clowns! And they argue with the bartender, who's like saying, "You know, you don't, you never buy anything, kids." Yes, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> considering uh, they're teenagers, they yes, probably shouldn't be buying anything. No, in there. Probably not. But anyway, it's this dingy world we're in, isn't it? You know. Yes. You know, Kids should be on alcohol and drugs and stuff. Um, so they have these like awesome souped up motorbikes, don't they? Yes. I well, Canada especially has got his because we've got Tetsuo at this. Like uh, we come out, they're going out to their their, their uh, bikes, and Tetsuo uh-huh. is there. He's going, oh, it's got two hundred horsepower. It's got dual electric front and rear coil over super duper <laughs> bits and pieces, wobbly bobs. Yeah. And you know, it's it's got uh, genuine like. Uh, stickers like yeah. like brand name stickers on there, like yeah. real ones, which is surprising because yes. I don't know, did they sponsor this or something? Yeah, uh, maybe because that bike survives to the end it and it keeps working even when it probably shouldn't. Yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah. Canada kind of boots him off, gets on, so you know that he's the top dog, and is. Tetsuo is a wannabe. And they chase this other gang, which are, as you said, like clowns. Yeah, uh, it's very Mad Maxi. To me, yeah, like, they go through the city, but they like got the the pipe with the <laughs> nails on it, and scrapes on the ground, yeah. and whoosh, and I was also like, I was like, I knew they were young because again, I don't know if I completely got they were teenagers, but it's like they're really violent for oh, what they're doing. Like they have this, it's a it's a march to the death, isn't it? You know, yeah, they're not just going up there and, and like having shouting at them. No, they're like straight away they're into it. They're like, riding bikes at fast speed and throwing sharp spikes and sticks and all sorts of like crude sort of stuff. what about weapons. the music? Did you pay yeah. attention to what music was playing here? There's Tycho drums. It was just like the sort of drums yeah, playing. I did actually. And it was um, quite sparse, but 
very unusual. Yeah, I'll come back to the music because it, it, the way I sort of described it is it's sort of like tribal music. Yes. You know, and we he obviously wanted to play off the different effects of it. So we'll come back to it a little bit. And there was, you're exactly right. I'm glad you just pulled that up because right now I was forgetting about it. It was one of the things that struck me when I first watched this movie back in the day was normally you'd expect to have, you know, Highway to the Danger Zone yeah. or some punk rock anthem playing right. or something. Yeah. But it was just this weird sort of drumming. Yes. Um, I assume it was like Japanese taiko drumming, you know, where they, yeah. they're doing it. It sort of sounded a bit like that, but yeah. The um, cops suddenly kind of come up behind them and so they sort of go their separate ways. Um, and one of the clowns has died, kind of come off his bike. Like that. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Yeah. They're, they're driving along, uh, the two two clowns driving along next to each other. And one of them takes the low road, one yeah. takes the high road, and the guy on the high road looks back and says, "No, don't yeah. go down." And there's Kaboosh! just an and he explosion. goes, "Oh, God, he shakes his head, yeah. <laughs> like oh, whatever." <laughs> and from all this, we're sort of learning that the metropolis of the Tokyo is really huge, and it's quite futuristic as well. There's like hologram signs, yeah, and there's, you know, big neon, neon signs, and and big freeways, and you know, different sides of the city. And there is actually, I suppose that is the interesting thing for me. Like we sort of start off like, yeah, the graffiti and the the rubbish and all that. But then in this chase scene, we see businessmen, you know, being stopped yeah, and, and we see like other people driving. And, and you get that shot inside the restaurant where yeah, the guy's being right. a jerk and then he gets his comeuppance, which is a motorcycle on his head. On his head. So he's just squashed. Quite rough. Um, yeah, it is quite off. Um, I like how the, the waiter in that just kind of like goes, ah! Yeah. Hey, where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, you get back here. That's right. Boom. Um, and so, yeah, we, we've learned kind of the, the city and the, the society is not just gangs. I suppose that's what I mean. Like, it's not just like Mad Max where people are just wild and woolly everywhere. It's, yeah. it's like, no, you've got these really violent gangs out on the street, but the city is obviously like a functioning city. You know, people yeah, do have jobs. Yeah, I think the arrival of the police helped with that because yeah. that, we, we just see it coming from a, a funky bar, I yeah, guess, yeah. dive, I want to call it, and then straight to bike chasing fight. Like you said, Mad yeah. Maxi, you could have been forgiven to think Neo Tokyo was just sort of a bit of a wasteland. Yeah. But then police cars turn up, meow, 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 yeah, and they yeah. go, oh, well, we better get out of here. Like they still respect the police enough to yeah. t- hightail it. Yeah. Um, we go then to a man, a strange man pulling a strange child down the street. Um, and the child looks a bit ghostly, I suppose, like he's a bit white. We're kind of getting little glimpses of it. They don't reveal a lot. Uh, and then it seems that police with dogs are chasing them, like with police dogs. Um, and they kind of like get into a bit of a, a, a stuck part on the street where there's a lot of traffic. It's called and traffic, man, jam. A traffic jam. Traffic jam, yeah. Uh, the common common terminology, and they they kind of like stop at a point, and the man turns around. These police dogs are coming towards him, and he just shoots them dead. Shoots them in yeah, front of everyone, the, in front of a kid. The and, kid in the yeah. back of the seat goes ah, oh, and then bang, a blood spray across the back seat, um, and and then he, he he runs off, and the police are chasing him, and they they kind of getting towards why there is this traffic jam, as you call it, sorry. Uh, and there's this a newfangled terminology. <laughs> yes, I know. Anyway, yeah. I've been driving along and I've got in a stuck place with traffic. Yeah, lots of cars <laughs> all around you. I hate around. being in a stuck place. Stucked place. Um, and there's a huge riot going on, basically, isn't it? Right. Big protest. 
very similar to probably what, what's been happening in Hong Kong with the Chinese government, this kind of, you know, real kind of standoff between a government and its people. Um, and this man sort of with the child kind of like, he kind of runs into the riot and he's off to the side where the, the SWAT police are. And the... Yeah, he ends up like out in front of the protesters type yeah. of thing between... Between the cops and the protesters, yeah. which is probably a bad spot for him to be in. Very bad spot. Yeah. And the the searchlights are on him, and and he he gets a he gets a a beautiful shot. And I think I've seen this as a poster as well. There's the searchlight on him, and he's kind of oh, I can't. I'm sort of doing actions, but you can't see it because you're listening to a podcast. <laughs> Wait till we go video, then you'll see my amazing actions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he turns around, and shoots the spotlight out, and of course there's a he's got a gun. Yeah. And immediately, you know. More spotlights turn on him and gunfire, and he's right running along. He gets he gets gunned down a little bit, uh, just a tad. Yeah. And then he, he tells the child, "Run, go, go, go!" And then he turns up and lifts his gun again, and the cops yeah. totally up and on him, like flip him over backwards with yeah, his with spray bullets. of bullets. And, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not mucking him out. No, these cops they they unloaded a lot of bullets. They obviously had no problems having bullets in this world, um, and the boy screams he doesn't really sort of run away he screams um and when he screams the buildings around them all the glass shatters and kind of comes tumbling down and that beer advertisement yeah beer can (laughs) comes hurtling off the top of this building and squash does squash police i think it does or is the protesters yeah well there's people go running yeah people go running i think it squishes some of them um, and Kay, we're introduced yeah, to we Kay. Kay. Yeah, yeah, she's part of the protest. Uh, she looks at the boy, and the boy just kind of vanishes in the, in the street, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and then then Kay's hustled off before she gets squished by the falling debris. Yeah, and we intercut back to like the gangs, the the two you know biker gangs are, are still chasing each other, um, and we so they're, they're sort of like flying down some sort of bridge and. Out into the outer city or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, into the yeah. old city. They old city. Going to like through a tunnel and and the yeah. and the the biker at the back. Oh, well, they they have a bit of a fight. No, no, there's the cops. He yeah. chucks the the, the firebomb behind it. He it does. sets off the fire, and Canada goes screeching to a stop through it, and the other bikes stop, but not Tetsuo because he's got a a. a mission or a point to prove i guess the term is and so yeah. he goes shooting through at top speed and then all this like uh extinguish a fireman and canada's like tetsuo what are you doing <laughs> that's all he seems to do and then we cut to like really efficient huge helicopters and they 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 know about this boy and they're looking for this boy and um we kind of get introduced not that we know much about it but he he is the general isn't he you know, and um, he's on the helicopter. Um, we the colonel. The, the colonel. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Not the general. I wrote down colonel. Um, yeah, the colonel. Um, you can tell because of the fried chicken he's eating. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, and we cuts back to the riot is getting more violent. Like, you know, the police and these protesters are kind of getting more and more into it. Um, and then the bike chase... Uh, ends with Tatsuo running into the kid, and but instead of the kid being squished or annihilated, um, Tatsuo is the one that comes off second. Yeah, his bike explodes, and Tatsuo is left lying on the ground, going, "Oh, oh hey!" 
you, you're kid. there. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, the kid has another bit of a freak out. But yeah, the rest of the bikers get turn turn up. And do they? Yeah, they turn up and they take yeah. Tetsuo. They see Tetsuo gets taken off and they all get arrested. Yeah, well, the helicopters kind of land yeah. with the colonel and they kind of land and they say, good land. They're like, kiss the ground. Kiss Hands the ground. on the heads. <laughs> and they, they sort of don't want to, but they're really put in their place by these military dudes. Yeah. Um, and then we have this weird, like, I was just going, what the hell am I watching here? Sorry, because... This other little kid in like a hover chair comes out and starts talking to the first kid and they kind of like, you know, he's saying to him, it's time to go home, time to go. And he's like not wanting to, but I was like, what the? I, but I'll, because we had just watched Gantz not that long ago and how we had that weird, you know, that the, the bad guy comes out and he multiplies and he's too fast to fight and stuff. I was like, oh, is this, this is a bit like this, isn't it? Like there's... Is this hover kid, like, is he the really big bad person? That's what yeah. I was just kind of thinking at the time. It's going to be a little fat kid in a hover chair. <laughs> that, in fact, is not a little fat kid in a hover chair. He's, he's some big dinosaur or something, you know? He just turns into a larger fat kid in a hover chair made out of smaller fat kids in a hover <laughs> That's, <chairs. right>. yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, and the colonel, who seems all tough and that, is, is not actually the colonel. Um, yeah, and he, he takes the boy, he's kind of like, oh, it's enough of this, you know, get back on the, the helicopter and they do. Um, the kids are then, the teenagers are then in this army interrogation where they're kind of telling them the story and they're also, abu- the army is abusing them yeah. saying, they're only teenagers, you know, your mum went to hospital and you, you know, like they're telling no, them this the, kind of fake yeah, some story. some sort of fib about, they were rushing to try and get to the hospital where their mother was. How is she now? Oh, she got better. Yeah. <laughs> So there's a cool sort of interrogation and then they're kind of just going to let them go. And when they come out into the corridor, um, this is where a lot of the riot people are that have been arrested. Well, it's a makeshift police station. It's actually a stadium or something. Yeah. And they've sort of got these uh, cubicle walls put up everywhere. And there's... um, Paper thin. There's paper thin. And and there are people being attacked and abused in these different places. And uh, I think Canada sees Kay there again. He goes, oh, okay. Um, cause he's a teenage boy and the first girl he sees is what's interesting. Yep. Uh, but then, yeah, some dude comes busting out of one of the, uh, uh, one of the cubicles. Yeah. yeah, yeah let's call them cubicles. Yeah. One of the cubicles and gets knocked down. Then he pulls a grenade out and chucks the pin to the side and he holds the grenade up and he goes, Oh my God, it's got a grenade. And everyone comes flying back. And he squints and he holds his eyes shut and the, f- the the fuse runs out. Yeah, it doesn't work. And nothing happens. They go, oh, I guess it was a dud. And then the cops jump on him and really clobber him yeah, down. Yeah, start beating the living daylights out of him. And then as, as the cops, they've had their, their field, they've got their toy that they're going to play with, This guy, which is kind of a bit wrong. And they, they just basically tell Canada, you, you and your punks, just piss off. We don't care about you. Yeah, they care. And he says, oh, but Kay's one of us. You know, this, she's one of us. You know, we don't want to leave our friend behind. Oh, I don't care. Take what it. do you care, old man? <laughs> old man, I'm 25. I'm not even married yet. <laughs> I, he, di- he didn't look 25, but it's funny that he's, he's I'm not even married yet. That's yeah, like age, that's a sign like, of yeah. an age thing, yeah. yeah. Uh, I wasn't married until I was, in my, until I was about 30 or something, so yeah. I suppose it works. Um, I, I mean, it works, but it's an odd thing to say. It is. It's like, I'm not even married yet. And you're like, <laughs> oh, what? I don't, I don't know. 
Jesus, you become an old man when you're married? Is that the way it works? Okay. So they're kicked out and we cut then to the colonel is now with this mad sort of looking scientist. Oh, yes. And he's the one kind of in charge, it seems to be, of, of uh, you know, this, this weird military lab. And um, they've got Tetsu on a really, it's a, it's a long bed and these electronic circular things. It's like a, of, a fancy pants MRI. Yeah, yeah, real fancy, um, which, okay, is believable because we're in some sort of, you know, false With future. 31 years in the future from 1988, which yeah. we put it last year. <laughs> That's right. Well, there you go. So we've got one of these, don't we, at our local hospital? Not here in Mahandra. Oh, my God. We barely have beds. I don't think we even have a CGI. No, not CGI. MRI. MRI. Yeah, we've got like a an X-ray machine that's sort of old and yep. has like a water jacket cooling and a belt-fed <laughs> bullet track. Yeah, so it's, it's not a... A little X-ray. mouse turning it's the like wheel, hey? <laughs> mouse turning, yeah. Um, so anyway, he's in there. But it, the scientist is telling him that or Tetsu has this special power. And we get this kind of like cool DJ circular thing. Yeah. It looks and there's like a, it looks like there's a beat of the music going around, which we don't, I don't know. I don't think he quite said what that was, but then he's like, and then there's another beat going around this holographic table and the Colonel and him look at it and they don't match, but the scientist is kind of saying there's similarities in there, yeah, you know, yeah, and it's... if maybe they might get a bit closer. And the colonel says very importantly that, well, okay, you know, this, if, if this Tetsu is going to have be really powerful, you need to be able to contain it. And yeah. the scientist says, of course, of course, you know, um, and so that's a good plot point. And the colonel actually says we would terminate him if he got too powerful. Yes, even the even the slightest hint that he's getting yeah. out of control, terminate he's him. off. Yeah, put him on the red pills. And this is where it's obviously the next day or something. And we cut to the the gang who have been a real tough, violent gang are back at this high school. And this principal is just whacking the shit out of them. <laughs> what is he? He's he, giving he them shouts, an earful. She says, because you're under 15, I think he says. Yeah, Which, yeah. I'm going, they're 14-year-olds? Are you no. kidding me? How violent are they? Uh, they look a bit older than 14. Yeah. But, and, but anyway, yeah, and he says, you're lucky you're not getting getting to prison or whatever, but yeah. if you get 50 more demerit points, you yeah, go to a right. real court. Yeah, this is your last stop. If you can't make it here, you're, you're yeah. finished. But he gives them all good the end of the row, And then he says, and what you really need is discipline. And he goes, whack, discipline. <laughs> He's like punches it on that spurt of blood <laughs> flies. He's like yeah. knocks them all on the ground. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, what the hell is that guy doing? They, they all walk out and they're all like still abusing him from down the corridor, yeah. <laughs> which is quite funny. Um, and this is where we the, that we find out that a couple of them have girlfriends, oh, um, yes. and then one girl is really upset because Tetsu is not back, yeah. and you know they they tell her that well he was taken off to a hospital we actually don't know which hospital, um, and you know we we just did the best we can, <clears throat> um, and we, this is really cool because it then cuts to some flashes of. Uh, like, you know, really close up of Tetsu's eyes running, I think, and then maybe footsteps mm. running down a very long corridor, uh, and then a nurse, like, knocking on a door. Like, there's a really cool little montage there of him yeah. that he's, he escapes from the military hospital. Um, and so, you know, and, and the nurse uh, alerts everyone that he's gone, and he, he gets to his girlfriend and says, oh, we'll steal this bike. Um, is it... He takes Canada's bike. Yeah, he does. One, yeah, the yeah. red one. Yeah, that's right. Because he was, he was on it. He's going, I'm yeah. sure I can ride it. I'm that's right. Yeah. 
And he, he, so he takes off and then the clown gang sees him come up oh, to the headquarters, of course. Um, and so he, they give chase and he kind of, the bike stops, doesn't it? It stops yeah, working. Yeah, and then he starts complaining about, oh, oh, I see now. I've got to keep it above 5,000 RPM, even on <laughs> gear changes, which I thought was an electric bike. So I'm not sure what gear changes or what revs he's trying. But anyway, that's what he says. And he's twisting and twiddling a few things while his yeah. girlfriend gets off and sort of goes... Uh, you know, I think she gets a bit worried because she sees the... Oh, bikes are coming. Yeah, yeah. bikes are coming. Oh, are, bikes they, coming. are they the friends or are they friends? not? And then they're not. They're the gang. No. They come up and they whack him and they kind of beat him up a bit. They grab her and sort of rip off her top. And punch her um, in the punch face. Punch her in the face. So it's all pretty violent stuff. Um, but then luckily, as this sort of violence is going on, the rest of the, his gang... Turn up, yeah. Turn up and sort of basically save the day. And the thing, the thing I did notice in this whole film, sorry is that it was one of those examples that their gang were always more violent back to the other gang. Oh, yeah, the clowns didn't do a whole lot. No, really. Even, they didn't, yeah, even in the opening sequence, yeah. the clowns weren't really doing much. No, so it's like, whereas it's like this gang were the more violent Oh, they had, they had something to prove, yeah. yeah. Which is funny because you're thinking, at what point are we supposed to think that we should be barracking for yeah, any of these yeah. And I'm thinking the Save the Cat was... The fact that Canada didn't take anything too seriously, yeah, even though he was doing terrible things, but then he he saved Kay, yes, when he didn't have to. Oh, definitely. And that that would be the only redeeming feature he has is he's a little bit, you know, um, he's not serious about his violence and misdeeds. He's, he's doesn't take any risk because I was watching it, I was trying to analyze it, thinking at what point because I remember watching the first time knowing Canada was the hero, as it were. And I was wondering, uh, I was actually wondering when they're going to meet Akira because the movie's called Akira. Yeah, so I kept thinking, like, <laughs> where's he when, going to when does in? he come in? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, anyway, they kind of like, I just wanted to say that because then they really brutalize these, the, the clown, <laughs> clown gang. Um, and then there's a really cool moment here that Tetsu, he, ha- he starts having this weird physical, mental breakdown, doesn't he? And he starts like seeing like, it's almost like he sees himself in another dimension. There's a great moment where he's like, his guts spill out onto the floor and he's trying to pick him up. Scoop him back in. Scoop him back in. And then in. it goes really silent and the ground cracks away underneath yeah, him. Yeah, he, he falls. Yeah, cracking in the ground. And yeah. I thought that was really good because it, it does, it just goes silent. And, it go, and you're going, is this real? Is it what? Yeah. Am I, what's happening? Because there was, no sound it was taken out yeah yeah and then but then we're luckily just when we're wondering because uh, my wife had never seen this so i'm getting her reactions when the guts fall on the ground and she, she goes oh my god what and then we we do see it from the rest of the people's perspective yeah and he's just on the ground there mining hallucinating yeah, yeah yeah and so oh okay it's something it's great watching watching some yeah. of these shows with my wife because it's uh it's like i've seen this several times like i, I know it and my wife has never seen it, so I get to get those little responses yeah. to find out what points different emotions or thoughts. I, I don't know who would not react to those guts for because it was very graphic, and then just the fact that he's like scooping them back in, like it's like ah, oh, you can't put them back like, in. Man. You can't so, put them back in. How are you going to put them back in? They've been on the sidewalk. You know? It's it's like a sleeping bag. When it comes out of that <laughs> container, yeah. it never goes back in no, the right way. Um, and the army then rock up and basically take him away again. Again. Um, so then they're sort of, have they lost their bikes or something? They're, they're hanging out at the shops 
and there's another terrorist attack. Yeah, I think it's just later that day. You know, yeah, that and the girlfriends have all had enough of them, so they're kind of all they they take off. And there's then another terrorist attack suddenly, like from the rioters. And yeah, that. There's, there's a plume of smoke. Yeah, oh, bam, going some on. Explosions. Um, the military come out, and there's shooting going on. And this is where he sees Kay as one of the yeah. people run out of the explosion um, with another man, and then she escapes into the sewers, and he goes chasing her. Yeah, and Kay's friends all get up to go, okay, let's go, and no, she's not there. Yeah. And we cut over to Kay just sort of going through these sewers and uh, yeah, being chased man. by a couple of cops. Yeah. And they get split up, and then Kay's uh, uh, pinned, you know, cornered, by one cop holding the pistol on her. Mm. And that's where Canada comes Flying running in, running yeah. down and knocks him out into the water. And he, it's it's a nice effect there, there where Canada gets a mouthful of this water and he's he's not happy about no, his mouthful of water. Spitting it out, spewing but it out. But then a second cop turns up yep. and pulls a gun on Kay and so Kay's gotta like, you know, don't go anywhere, holds it and has to shoot him in the head because he's about to shoot Canada. Yep, and again, it wasn't just a nice, clean, single bullet hole in his forehead. It was the side of his face got shot off. Yeah, and then he fell over, and there's a pool of blood as he slid down into the gross water. Yeah, and they kind of um, are then together, uh, Kay, and that you know she. Yeah, I I think she'd prefer she wasn't. Yes, yeah, but he just follows her because then he starts again going back to kind of cracking onto her. Yeah, (laughs) straight away. Weird, oh, weird crack on like saying, oh, so this is the first time you killed the guy. I said, oh, don't worry. We'll go to the cops and explain yeah. it. You'll get some prison time. I'll visit you. It'll be, it'll be nice and I'll wait for you when you come out. He's, and, he's rather annoying in that way. And, yeah. and she's like, what are you talking about? Like, and again, like it goes back, like, I'm not sure how old she was, but we've sort of been told that he's maybe 14, 15, but maybe she's a bit older. I don't know. It's sort of... I would hope she's a little bit older, but yeah, she wasn't a lot older. No. Anyway. Um, we cut then to Tetsu and he's having these weird childhood memories, isn't he, of this school. And I think it's implying that it's the other children, isn't it? Yeah, it's hard to tell whether... It was his... It was it was his memories because we do see his memories later on. Later on, He yeah. was uh, a foster kid yeah, yeah. left at the school and that's where he met Canada. But we also do see that the um, the, the numbered kids... 25 and 26 and so on mm. were also at the school with fostered at these weird uh, with with yeah meeting each other and um, he also sees that like concrete the same thing you saw earlier like the concrete crumbles away yeah following so like this metaphor, shadow yeah from this I shadow thought, I, was, I was like he's standing there and there's like a his shadow stretching out on the concrete and the crumbles are only inside of the outline of his yeah. shadow which yeah. is an interesting way of doing it. And so the scientists now visit this strange supergirl. Yeah, she's again, in this weird sort like of bed thing. Greeny blue skin. Yeah. And it's a weird like it's like it's a baby bed, but not but she's not a baby. Yeah. But and it's larger than a baby bed. I sort of think that's a bit weird. Um and she's weak and frail. She seems like a frail little old lady really, but yeah. she's a physically younger woman a younger girl. Um and she tells them that the she's seen that the city will crumble and then they will meet Akira again. Yes. And the is Colonel... this where they said uh, Akira started World War Three? Was it? No, that's later. No, I think that's later. In the visiting the the cryogenic yeah bits. Yeah. 
And she also says that Tetsuo should be, he needs to be looked after, like he needs help. Yes. Yeah. Um, he's like, I've got to take, the colonel says, I've got to take this to the council and we're going to let them know whether we should go to Akira. And this is where we sort of have this, uh, we have a bit of a cross timing thing going on, don't we? That, that we see a previous conversation that the colonel and the scientists had They're going down this lift and they yeah. kind of have some sort of debate about like the colonel's like, but I'm a soldier. I think like a soldier. Yeah. Like they're kind of like, like, and it, and this comes up later in the film as well. That yeah, because I guess he's, he's saying like, he doesn't I'm, care what the implications or what the political situation, whatever. No, he has a job to do, and he's going to do that yeah, job. Save the people, I guess. Doesn't you know, uh, keep he, the people safe. He's asked if he believes in Akira. Yeah, because while they were at the, um, you know, the shops there with their girlfriends, there was that sort of religious group. That's right. Who yeah, were oh, chanting, yeah, and yeah. they're like, like great big paintbrush with red, yeah, red, red characters. Yeah. Not sure what's writing there. Assuming no. it says Akira. Yeah. And there's a that dude with his beads <laughs> and the big hairdo. Yeah. Um, chanting and ranting around about stuff. So there's, it's like Akira is like a god. I like a god. Yeah. Yes. I, it, and and so it makes sense then in this when he's asking, do you, do you believe in Akira? He says, yeah. I don't. Uh, I don't have to believe. It's. Yeah. I think like a soldier. It's. I do what needs to be done. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I liked that. Um, and they go into this room where it's freezing conditions and they, they check, there's a huge array of security procedures that they check and we get seen to this room 28, um, which is bizarre, isn't it? Because there's a door that says room 28, it's obviously sort of electronically locked, but then surrounding it is sort of growth and... There's all the cables and cryogenic yeah. pipes and frost and... It, it seems like over... Maybe originally it was like a clean, crisp wall to a room, yeah, but so then now I, it's like I wondered if it was actually because room twenty eight. I wondered if it was actually transplanted from another building, yeah, and then brought here and like encased, encased, yeah, and then encased and plugged and plugged, yeah, to really be sure that it stays yes. the way it is. Yeah. Again, I was thinking, oh, who's going to be inside this? Akira, Akira, saw this, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and the the um, K and the meet you know comes back with Carnido, uh, and they meet up with the other male terrorists. They don't kind of trust him, um, and they kind of uh, you know you know throw him on the ground and chuck him in. They lock, they trick him, don't they? they kind of lock him in a room, um, but he's pleading with them, telling them that he actually knows the boy Tetsu is his friend, and it's who the military. So they've got kind of like a common connection. Um, uh, and this is where we, I got a little bit confused here because then the head terrorist guy then goes wandering off and has this conversation with this little old man. Yes. He turns out to be one of council members. Yeah. But, and so it's like he's, and he's saying the little old man says that, um, it's not up to us to change, which is kind of probably a bit metaphoric, isn't it? To the theme. Cause he says, he says something like, it's not up to us to actually change society. Um, but we will help unlock it. Yes. So it's like our terrorism activities are not actually going to be the thing that changes it, but we'll help people see the light. But that is, interestingly enough, exactly what these things are. Because yeah. uh, if you have a look at, let me see. So let's talk about something not so controversial because it's a little bit further on the past. Let's look at the Wall Street 
Occupy Wall Street. Yeah. That was started by some, I can't remember even what it was started by. But the original protest unlocked a whole bunch of movements, which still have some repercussions now. Uh, typically enough, but people have short memories and they've forgotten all about it. And have forgotten the fact that there is this one uh, percent of the population which own like sixty percent of all the wealth in the world. Yeah. And I'm not part of that one percent, so that's why I'm annoyed by it. <laughs> if I was part of the one percent, I'd be saying, "Shh, it's okay, man." Yeah, it's all right. I'm we all need right. more tax tax cuts. Give me more money; it'll trickle down to you. Trust me, it will. Um, but I'm not up there, so I'm a bit peeved. But yeah, the the protests weren't changing the world. And if we move forward to uh, Black Lives Matters, people go, "What? Well, you know, they're, they're they're just looting or they're being really violent." That's not going to change. That isn't what changes the world. It unlocks. It makes people think and react, yeah. and it it makes people start to try to take a side or to pick ideals and and confront, you know, what is it that I believe about these things? And and that's what he's talking about here, I think, is, yeah, you, you do this sort of terrorist act, it's, you're not going to... Because honestly, this sort of... Um, this level of civil unrest itself doesn't do anything. But what it does do... And, and 9-11 did this in our world as well. Knocked down a couple of towers, killed a couple of thousand people in the grand scheme of like 7 billion people on the planet and the, all the wealth and everything. Not a huge impact, but it unlocked and changed society permanently. Yep. For the worse, I think. But that's what uh, I'm guessing was the intention. The intention was to, to change, well, for the worse for us, uh, for the better for the people who did the terrorist acts. I guess they assume it's better for them. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it. Um, yeah, so it's, it is about so this unlocking, which is unlocking within everyone. Yeah, and, and we're going to see that again, I think, with um, we're, it's sort of almost the Trump election also, like yeah. Trump coming into power itself. Like ultimately he has not done anything more or less than other presidents. In fact, other presidents in the past have done more. They've landed on the moon. They've yeah. done Hoover Dam. They've, you know, whatever. There's, there's, there's various bits and pieces. Yep. But he has sparked within all of America a debate and um, a recognition that there's there's something needs to be addressed. And how that gets addressed, we can only hope it turns out for the better. Yep. But it could get worse before it gets better. Of course. We're hoping that we have seen the worst of it and America will come out of this with this realisation and, and a greater social understanding that, Thoughts and deeds matter. Yeah, but, well, uh, it kind of gets a bit worse if you do watch that documentary, A Social Dilemma, and what that implies about some of that social division that then, of course, social media is encouraging. Um, oh, yeah. Well, so that brings up, and I don't want to go down that because that's not what this podcast is no, about. No, it's, but, it's but, very yeah, easy. It's, it's a very, you know, once you start talking about a society that, uh, divides itself and then how things like social media works and what that encourages with the politics in a country like America. And look, I don't know enough about America, but you and I have seen that in Australian politics. There's more independence voted in than mm. ever before. There's more division amongst our major parties than ever before. Well, how many and, prime ministers have we had in the and past how many 10 prime years? ministers have we gone through? Yeah. So we're not having a civil unrest at all, but we are having a 
sort of basic, I think, a fundamental crack in our democracy. Yeah, we are. You know, we're like, having that wrestle. There's, there's some everyone in Australia, in in, my, yeah. in a lot of countries around the yeah. world, the same things happening. There's kind of this uh, wrestling, and it's been woken, as you said, by little acts. Yeah, small acts. The Arab Spring. Yeah, the um, the you know earlier than the nine eleven, the yeah. Arab Spring. We're talking about Syria and uh, you know like the uh, the 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 bomb in in France and these other sort of bits and pieces are just kind of, and then uh, electing in here in Australia, we've elected in as you said more, more divisive yeah politics and and that it's revealing and uh, reflecting our own turmoil. We're not. Yep. We're not sure what direction we're supposed to go in. I would suggest Star Trek. Yes. And not Mad Max. <laughs> yeah, that would be a better better option. If I'm picking... I'm preparing science, for Mad Max. <laughs> if I, yeah, Star Trek, not Akira. Let's yeah. do that. So they, they have this discussion in the council. They're yelling yeah. at each other. They're good council, isn't it? They're all yelling abuse at each yeah, other. They're, they're, they're not really listening. Complaining about money. There's and... one guy like falling asleep. Yeah, I like, like really passionate people. Yeah, my wife, she said, that's you at work. And I said, yes, I have fallen asleep at work before. <laughs> um, and no, nobody I, live, I work with, uh, uh, actually nobody I work with would be surprised. <laughs> and, and there's kind of a good debate here, isn't there? Because it's like the colonel saying, we need more money for military protection. And like one of the, one of the councils like, we've given you like 30 years of like military's kind of probably, which happens, isn't it? They've come out of this war and it's like, well, we have to put money into like protection and you know making sure yeah. that we're advanced and you know we're better than the whoever the enemy was and all that sort of stuff. And yet, it, then it kind of gets to a point where it's like, yeah, we've, well, we've done that for thirty years. Are we not kind of? Can we focus on something else? Yeah, yeah. like so I it's actually to a pretty social welfare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the old guys like none of this would be happening if we just gave everyone fair pay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's a good point. But then no one really listens to him. They just debate the military budget. Um, so that was kind of a, a good, and, that, and then they, now they're going to actually look into the army. Yeah, they're going to do an inquiry. Yes. <laughs> How much more money do you need? Yes. Um, and then Tetsu, so he's in the military hospital um, in bed, and he's kind of thrashing himself around, and he pulls, he pulls a glass... Uh, sorry, he has a drink of, of a glass, and he, like, throws it, and he's got a teddy bear, and he, like, throws that against the wall... And his glass kind of falls onto the ground next to the teddy bear. Yes. So a bit of a strange scene. Um, and then we have the terrorists have got their plan um, with Carnito to break into the army base. They're going to go in undercover as like a maintenance team. Yeah. And they're going to get in and kind of... They're, only, they're actually only going to find out information. They're not going to like... And they, and they have to do it now because they've got these passes which are only good for a week. Yeah, yep. Um, and then Tetsu in his room kind of has a moment where the the teddy then kind of converts. Yeah, this, into this, this awesome gets really. Gray. I remember watching this the first time, going, "What the hell yeah, is happening? Is this real? Is this fake?" Again, like the guts and it, something. It doesn't really answer the question. You no. don't really know how much of it was real because no. yeah, the big teddy bear comes and it's leaking fluid this all over white, the place. Sticky fluid. Yeah. It's, <laughs> It's you, you worry about it, and then you get the um, uh, what's the other one? You get the There's a giant rabbit. Oh, the bunny rabbit. Yeah, just and it trips over and smashes into a wall, yeah. and then he the tries to go out the door, and there's like a car, walking car up to yeah. him, like a toy car type of thing, and then he goes 
he growls at them, doesn't he? And shakes his fist, and they dissolve into and, and we sell. see and we see inside those constructs yeah. are those kids, yeah, the and they sort kids. of back off and disappear. And he's got um, they kind of actually there's a moment they see because he's like got he's bleeding out of his foot from the broken yeah, glass. Yeah, oh, that's and there's gross. Blood and they're like the kids go, oh, that's gross. Yeah. <laughs> and that kind of like d- dissolves the illusion of the giant teddy and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, security come running to Tetsu and they, they, oh, they kind is, of like help him. Is this him. not one of the oh, best scenes? Oh no, it's fantastic. I remember because you saw him, he, he drew the, he pulled the glass over to his hand to drink yeah. from it. And he's out there and says, come on, we've got to get you back in the room. He goes, no, I don't want to. And he goes, rah. And then it's just, Blood guts. It's just suddenly. It's just. It's not like a a big dramatic. Because I don't doubt in many Hollywood films they'd want to go for like a slow mo, yeah. build up a power and a blast and explosion and this was just you instant, know, wasn't instantaneous. It? Yeah. Click of the fingers, a spherical damage to the corridor and it's just blood coating everything like yeah. an arm drips off the wall and it's <laughs> he just totally pasted these yeah. guys yeah. in a blink of an eye. Yep. Which and and that I think says far more power than any of these you know roaring and crackling of energy and yeah. build up and all the rest of it. This was just yeah. almost as an afterthought. He just swatted these guys away like they yep. were flies. Yep, and even squished them against the wall like they were flies. Yep, and that that totally impressed me when I watched this the first time. I was yep. just like, oh, that is just the coolest thing. <laughs> it's a it's a damn cool scene that. Um, we then go back to Kay and uh, Kanita and the other terrorists are in the, they're sort of in the sewer um, and they're sort of, they're talking about their plan and stuff and then they're found by this guard, aren't they? Um, I think, first of all, the sensor sort of detects them. There's yeah, there's, like, a, there's a, and a spotlight appears yeah. and a flying thing and they all have to duck down. Kanita's just like, well, what are you doing? Yeah. And he gets pushed down. There's like a, a rat with maggots in it, floats yeah. up in front of him. He's like, blah. Uh, and that's when the second one kind of tags him. Oh, well, that's when that one sort of spots him as yeah. it comes back around and they have to have a bit of a fight and the, it shoots one of the dudes to pieces. Yeah, the, these guys are like on ski, those ski mobiles, but they're flying ski mobiles. Yeah, like jet, like your yeah, skidoos. Yeah, yeah. But, but flying ones. They've even got yeah. like a little back brace thing. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty good. <laughs> it's cool. And they've got massive... Machine guns on them yeah, or something like that. They're firing away. Like this crazy. is where their military budget went. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we got flying sea dudes with, with chain guns. Chain guns. That we, we, didn't, just... we didn't need them on there. We could have just gotten by with the flying yeah. vehicle itself. And, and what would or they... A drone. What will these machines patrol? They'll patrol our base. <laughs> They'll protect our base at all times. Our sewer system. <laughs> you, have you thought of putting a door on there? A door on the sewer? Yeah. Yeah, never thought there of that. There would be. Could we put guns on it? Yeah. Really expensive ones. <laughs> yeah, just a locked door. Flying guns. Flying guns. No. Nah, flying skidoos with guns. <laughs> Done. Right. Um, and so uh, Kanido uh, actually attacks one and takes control of it. And it's a bit like a bike, so there's a nice kind of... Yeah, we, we know that you know, he's, a, he's a real yeah. ace Bike rider. Yeah, and so a couple other you know um, military guards come up, but he annihilates those two, and he takes off with Kay. Yeah. So they, they just kind of go flying. At first, he doesn't really know what he's doing, but he kind of takes control of the the, the machine in time. Um, 
And this is where Tetsu has decided to go and hunt the kids. So he like he's going through the base looking for the kids, and he comes across um, uh, he comes across you know a huge array of soldiers mm. who are all kind of like barricading, protecting. I think the entrance to the kids. Um, and <laughs> there's a nice moment there, isn't it? Because they're like, we can't let him in there, and they don't. Do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes. And so they start firing, but then you don't actually see what he does. You just then see him walking over. They're all lying there and dead and bloodied. and Crumbled. Yeah, crumbled again. Um, and it's a huge amount of soldiers. So at this point, it's kind of like, yeah, well, how do you stop? How do you stop him? No, you can't because one of them uh, shot, shot a grenade or something right yeah. at his head and just stopped right in front of him, just kind of evaporated Vapor, or yeah. <laughs> blew up and did nothing. And so then he goes into the kids, the super kids' room, um, and they kind of have a standoff. Um, he tries to attack. Uh, they they try to attack him as the big bunny and the teddy bear thing, but he actually attacks them back. And and they're kids, so yeah. they're kind of like they don't like that. They 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 don't like being hurt or anything. Yeah, and they they sort of say, you know, we've got to help you and and help you control this. You know, you're not yeah. going to be able to control it. He says, I can control it. Yeah. Because, you know, he's, he's really pissed off that Canada keeps telling him he can't control stuff, he can't do anything. Yeah. And then the the colonel and scientist rock up. Yep. And there's more soldiers, and the soldiers sort of get blasted to the side, and yep. the colonel tells them off. Yeah, and he, he says, he, he colonel sort of says, oh, you know, we'll help you, you know, Tetsu, we, we're here to help you. Um, but he says he wants a get up. Yes, I want Akira. I want to. I want Akira. I want to talk to Akira. And then, oh yeah, he reads the minds of the kids and finds out is at the old at the Olympic Stadium. That's yeah, because that's one of the things the council was complaining about was the Olympic Games would be in a couple of years' time. Yeah, which which was interesting because twenty twenty was supposed to be Tokyo. Tokyo, yeah, but not anymore. Um. Yeah, and so. Uh, he finds out that information and he... Um, oh, and Carnito rocks up. And this is where he sort of, like, they have that debate. He says, you know, I don't need to follow you anymore. I'm more powerful now. And it sort of laughs him off. And Carnito says, oh, well, I came here to save you. And he goes, well, I don't want to be saved. Yeah, I don't need you. to be rescued by maybe you anymore. You maybe, maybe I'll rescue you sometime. And he says, I'm the hero now. And he actually flies out of the building. Yes. I can, like, I can do this I can now? do this now. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and Super Kids tell the Colonel he's going to Akira. Um, so the Colonel, uh, so the Colonel orders that the, we should go to the Olympic village. We're going to be going, you know, uh, we need backup, you know, to take them on. We're going to be doing this. Um, and as they're then exiting, he's informed that he's to be arrested by the Stripped council. Stripped of rank and yep. powers and arrested immediately. And arrested immediately. And so then no, he does the standoff, shoots yeah. a couple of the guards or orders one of them to be shot. Yes. Um, and then he says to all of them a big speech about, look, you, we could fight each other and yep. waste a whole lot of time and bullets and death when we could, or we could just all be on the same team. Yeah, and I guess so, those... and he, he just basically says, yeah, the council's dissolved. Yep. So <laughs> he it's... does the good old, uh, you know, African warlord <laughs> sort of way yeah, of doing it. it. And it's like Mugabe. It's like it's like the democracy's not working. All right, we're going back to a state of emergency, and I'm the head colonel. So. Was it that was Zimbabwe? Yeah. Mugabe, isn't it? He was the 
the the he was the head the military. Civil War hero, as it yeah. were. And then he says, you know, he, he set up a, a, a temporary rulership, uh, and then there'll be elections. And he said, nah, stuff elections. I'm yeah, going to win I'm anyway. Just the lead. <laughs> wow. Okay. And then when you've got the soldiers behind you, you're all good. Uh, yeah, and then Tetsu is then back at that bar from the start. Um, and the barman, he orders the pills, which I'm not too sure what the pills were. Capsules. I need some capsules. Capsu- I need some capsules. I need some capsules. Dude, look at me. I need some capsules. <laughs> and then the barman sneakily is like, well, the world's a bit shit out there. The price has gone up, buddy. And we don't even then see what happens, but Tetsu's not no, happy about that. A couple of, couple of other gang members turn up. To the bar and it's trashed. And they're, they're talking, they come in, they find it's broken. They go, oh, the bartender's dead. Oh, my God. And Tetsuo like, says, oh, howdy doody, boys. And they go, oh, Tetsuo, what's going on here? The bartender's dead. And then after a bit of an exchange, they say, you killed him, didn't you? <laughs> and there's a bit, there's a line here, isn't there, that's like, oh, we've lost Tetsuo. Oh, yeah, you're, like, I, you're, you're not, not the same. What does he say? He says, is it really you, Tetsuo, or is it someone else here? Because, yeah, I suppose Tetsuo has been having some difficulties. Yes. Keeping his identity in place. And then Tetsuo, like, like smashes them and kills one of them, and the other guy yeah. gets away. Escapes. As we find out later. The, the, the shorter one with the little 80s necktie yeah. suit on for some reason. Um, and then this is that scene you were talking about earlier that Kay and Carnito are, you know, they're in prison at the military and she talks about that while evolution has these little blip moments and the little blip moments of advancement, you know, in society or the way the universe works um, and, you know, humans can build a house but when you go back in evolution, of course, like, we came out of the ocean or we were amoeba, we couldn't build a house then. Mm. But the modern, uh, uh, us as humans now can maybe think back to those evolutionary steps and then therefore we have the ability to bring all that information through us now in the one moment in time. That was, that was about, what I picked up. Yeah, Tetsuo is not a, an amoeba. Tetsuo, so you were, you're saying Tetsuo is an amoeba? Yeah. And she says, amoebas don't build a house or bridges mm. Or create art. Yeah. They eat everything in their path. Yes. And it's like, and and that's it's a bit of a almost a, it's a bit of a jump here. Yes. And I think, I think this must be a Japanese thing because you wouldn't have left such a big jump from, just talking about this evolutionary power, to, amoebas eat everything in their path, and then Kane's like, oh, so Tetsuo is going to just expand and, and destroy everything. Yes. It's like, well, that's a bit of a jump. Like, but yeah, that is what has happened. Yeah. Uh, as nice though that it's, it does fast forward things a bit. There's, there's, we cut out all the debate and we just get stuck into it. Yeah. And I, I guess like the thing is, it's kind of up in the States, isn't it? Because it's saying, well, yeah, he's, he's, he's now at this point where he might just destroy everything. Yeah. It's, it's all about your intentions here, isn't it? And yep. His intentions... Uh, to get out from everyone's control. Yeah, and I think also like maybe it's just a writing device. That's that's quite clever because it's it's also like the scene before he's killed one of the friends. Yeah, so he's kind of like crossed the friend line. He, he distinctly then, looks a bit psychotic. Yeah, he looks it, yeah. psychotic. But but I suppose the whole time you're kind of thinking maybe he can control them, come back to them, 
and be good again. But then it's like once he kills the barman, kills one of their own, yeah. and then now she's basically saying it's it, he's choosing to go down this path of then just destroying everything. There's maybe no going back. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, the super kids talk about then over the top, we hear them in that scene using Kay. Yes, they're debating whether they should use her or not. And, and I think one of them says, oh, she's already on her way. Yeah, that, that, yeah, yeah. Which it, it, it's, I followed that, but I was like, oh, this is interesting. So they yeah. kind of, yeah. Um, anyway, Colonel, tanks, helicopters, all the soldiers arrive. They're heading in. They're, they're, they're kind of collecting, aren't they? They're group. Um, they arrive at the bar and they like to realize there's evidence that Tetsu was there. Yeah. Um, he's getting more powerful. Yep. He's getting more powerful. Um, and then this is also that, uh, oh, I might not have written it down, but they, Kay and, um, Carnito escaped, don't they? The door suddenly is unlocked. Yes. Yeah. That actually happened at the end of the scene. Yeah. Yeah, And Carnito says this is clearly a setup. Yeah. And this Um, is, well, what are you going to do? Stand here and wait to find out or let's get moving. So they get moving. And so it was the super kids that kind of free. It wasn't set up from them. Um, but anyway, they, the other guy tells, uh, Carnito and that, that Tetsu was wanting his bike and that he also killed the other teenage, um, which I've forgotten that guy's name. Uh, well, he died. It's not as important. No, it's not. <laughs> um, and this is where Carnito then destroys his bike, doesn't he? Yeah, as he's like destroys. Was, it, that, it, was it, that really Tetsuo's bike or that other kid's bike? No, I think it's Tetsuo's bike. Okay, I, yeah. I get the impression it's supposed to be, but I didn't look like it. But oh, yeah. no, well, that's because Tetsuo's other bike got trashed when he crashed into the Yeah, kid. that's right. So that was his new bike. Okay. No worries, yes. And I liked that because it kind of was also, he, he kind of rises towards this brick wall and you think that he's going to commit suicide over maybe the grief of it all yeah, or God something. God knows what he's going to do. Yeah, yeah but he sort weird. of just like jumps off last minute and explodes the bike. Um, and then while all this is going on, one of the super boys turns up and kind of just takes Kay away. Yeah, they walk she's like under a the, bit of a well across the little like the river. River, yeah, and they just disappear. Canada runs down and tries to run across the river and he yeah. just falls in the yeah. water, of course. Yeah. Um and then this is where the supergirl says that everyone has the power within them, but it's how you use it. Yeah. And again, a couple of these moments here and these scenes, we're just getting the voiceover. We're not really getting it's not a very clear it's not like one of them is talking to them. It's, no, it's just a, a weird childlike thing. voiceover. Yeah, childlike voiceover. Um, oh, his name was Mr. Nazu. I wrote that down. The head of the terrorism, right? This is where then we kind of, he was one of the, um, councilmen and then he's here and I got, to be honest, I got a bit confused here. I got the idea of him stealing the bonds and the money, but I got a bit confused. Like then he killed the terrorist. Yeah. The terrorist turns up. Well, he says you're here to sell me out. Yeah. And so like. Shoots him and shoots a couple of the other um, or the other guys that commit suicide in the bathtub yeah, or something. Yeah, something. And but he is slowly having a heart attack, and he's uh, cramming From everything that's going on. Bearer bonds or whatever they are yeah. in the suitcase, and that barely fits. And then he he's running off, uh, slowly being walk chased. Yeah, by the terrorist dude who's dying anyway. Yeah, he's got a few bullet holes in him. Yeah. Um... And he, he ends up choking, <clears throat> choking in an alleyway or something. 
Yeah, he falls over, heart attack, mouthful of pills. With his money blowing everywhere, which is, it's quite symbolic. Oh, it's it? extremely symbolic. It's just, yeah, I, I must admit, I got a little bit confused in that scene. Like, it wasn't completely clear to me what was going on. Yeah. Like, why it was needed, I suppose. But, yeah. Um, clean up all the characters, all the loose ends. Uh, Tetsu, this is that great moment. He shows up. There's crowds of people. Yeah, they've got the, kind the of... tank and the, you know, military sort of cordoning off all these yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. And... Yeah, and the crowd are sort of like going, what's going on here? Who is that? Is it Akira? Um, and the tank fires at him um, and he just stops the bomb. Yeah, the bullet stops and it explodes and knocks a bit of the ground out. Yeah, but... and then that's where he grabs the cape and he puts it around. And then what does he do to the tank? He kind so of crumples, crumples it, in. it in. Yeah, and then that's when the crowd are like, and I, I really liked this, was like, the crowd are like, it's it's Akira, it's Akira, Lord Akira. <laughs> and there's one guy that's like, you're all delusional. And then like, he just like gets beaten up, yeah, you know, like he gets out. punched out on the ground. A couple of other people punch him. And then other guys are like, no, it is Lord Akira, Lord Akira. Yeah. You know, like it's kind of like cool. Like it's uh, very realistic, I think, in a way that, that it, just that debate of it. Yes. Like someone would go, uh, am I, am I the only one seeing this? This is just some other crackpot. And like, no, he's not a crackpot. <laughs> That's You're a, the crackpot. It's a god. It's a god, damn you. Um, <clears throat> and he, he flies off for Akira. He does. He flies off. The, um, and uh, yeah, there's worshipping from him and that sort of stuff. Yeah, this is so cool. Comes out onto the bridge. bridge this yeah. is one of my favourite scenes. Yeah. Where he walks out on the bridge and the military dudes all whip out these shoulder-mounted looking fancy pants guns. And he's like, oh, you know, it's just more guns. What's this? And then they pull the trigger and it's like just it's like a lasers. laser and that actually worries him and then they say yeah. right three second blast converge yeah. the streams or something funny yeah. like that uh and then he he rips his bridge out from underneath them mm. and, and it, it's a really nice attention to detail because these segments of the bridge fall so one of them falls and some people fall off and they jump and they get caught and people are helping them up on the other section of the bridge and then that other section of the bridge crumples and falls and then everyone slides yeah. off that and the cars come racking down Remind me a bit of the the Titanic, yeah. When the Titanic was going down, the, it's like that religious guy with the big hair is one of the people, and he's yeah. like, ah! <laughs> and he said he said something like, "I'm a woman." That was in. He says something really weird as he's like dying, basically, um, which I found a bit bizarre. But I also bizarre, sorry. And then I also liked in that that a lot of these people were going, you know, Lord Akira, but they're just dying. Like they're yeah. just, you know, um, he, he it's not clearly, he's trying to save them. He doesn't he care doesn't about them the slightest. No, no. Just like every other God in there. Yeah. Ever come across. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, he walks up to the Olympic village uh, where we know Akira is buried underneath it or something like that. Um, and uh, we cut to... Back to that scientist of that weird DJ hologram thing. And the funny chiming music. Yeah, and there but now the two musical tracks, which one is Akira and one is Tetsu, is like they're kind of matching yeah, more he's, and more. He's beat matching now. Yeah, he's like yeah. getting ready to, to flick the fader over and yeah. we're gonna get the new track in. So he's gonna be yeah, he's he's, he's getting to, close Tetsu just to Just to be continue like the, the DJ and That's right. one off. Yeah. Um, and of course the scientist sees this and he's very excited by it. He's not, you know, I like this. 
Um, and Tetsu's inside the Olympic Village. The soldiers couldn't stop him, of course. Uh, and then Kay, who's controlled by the Supergirl, um, she says that the power will, will overtake you and um, tries has a, has a go of trying to kill Tetsu. Um, she tries to squish him, but fails. And he lifts out the entire centre out above the ground containing the Akira prison. This is kind of big action kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, it's you know, like... huge. It rose the whole thing up and there's, it looked like an octopus coming out because there's all it these does. like pipes and yeah. tubes flailing about. And I see, you know, you've got milk. Well, it kept like, I kept I that thought white that was, fluid stuff. I, th- I, thought, I thought that was just a cryogenics, like yeah. ice water not ice water, like liquid nitrogen or something. I, I was confused from early in the film and with the kids and stuff, because he kept having that white, milky fluid stuff. And like we said, you know, when it was the teddy bear and stuff, it was the white. Yeah, he, he makes like, a comment, this... it's milk. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, well, it's... I don't know. I kept, that's what I kept seeing. I kept seeing milk. Well, maybe that's what they wanted you to see. I don't know, yeah. I, I, that's but I, well, that's I the know. official narrative anyway. <laughs> I felt like it was milk, and maybe there's some sort of connection to mother's milk. Yeah, it's it's definitely this childhood throwback deal because, and and that was the whole the whole key with those superpower kids. Yeah, as uh, I think we went over briefly at the start there, where they, yeah, they're old. They're thirty one plus, but they're children. Because as we see here, we have this flashback to the special training school where they were with Akira, (laughs) and we know that the Akira event was in 1988, yes. 31 years prior. So they were already, let's call them 10-year-olds. So they'd be 40-ish. Yeah. But they looked like little kids and spoke like little kids and they acted a bit like old little kids. Yeah. You know, they tried to be tough, but they just couldn't pull it off because no. they're still like grossed out by that. And they're still connected to milk. You know, there's mother's yeah. milk, as you said. So there is kind of that, that whole... Um, symbology there which is very yeah. interesting um and and also then here this is where we have um you know the acute like he opens up the prison holding akira and their bottles as well yeah the jars of akira yeah <laughs> it's like a brain stem and uh, well we, we do hear then also the scientists say oh we dissected him and went over every single one of his organs, and you know, and studied him. Yeah, that's what the, the colonel. That's what the colonel tells him. He says, you know, they they, they did every single test to him, yes. and then they cut him up, and he was dead. Uh, but they kept bits and froze them for future scientists, and possibly to still do more tests on him. <laughs> um, so yeah, and he, he looks at the brain cell, and then this is where Carnita rocks up and stirs him. Yeah, he's just casually got one of those lasers hanging from his hand like he's yeah. not aiming it. But then, yeah, he uh, he stirs him up and then blasts him by surprise. And there's he has a bit of a, a couple laser shots and there's a great shot where it hits him right in the chest. He goes, yeah, I got you. And it's just scorched his shirt. It has yeah. his run out of juice and then he fires again. And he goes, pew. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's almost comical. Uh, yeah, and then, of course, there's sort of... Uh, what happens is they get the soul satellite in in place and is that not a cool thing the way they yeah you don't know what's happening at first you know no. they're, they're lining soul up getting targeting you don't know what it is but then there's a the moment where they're sitting there facing off against each other where tetsuo realizes the canadian's got no juice left yes 
And then the light is, where's this, all this light coming from? And there's little bits of rock start floating up and suddenly the light focuses down in on Tetsuo and goes, yeah. kablam. Yeah. And blasts him and cuts his arm off and really hammers him to the ground. Yeah. And throws Kaneda clear. Yep. And that's, it was just a, that is a very anime type of, gun or, or very powerful lasery blast yeah. effect yeah. which I, I remember from what was that one ah jeez louise was it the battleship Yamamoto? star blazers was the english translation i remember watching star blazers where as a the earth was being attacked by some aliens or other other and they 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 outfit the battleship Yamoto which has been it, it was sunk and but uh, the Earth's oceans had put, sort of boiled away somewhat and revealed it and they used that as a yeah, outfit as a spaceship and it had this special alien technology gun running down its center called the wave motion cannon which basically is like Voltron you know in the end of Voltron yeah. they always form Voltron pull out the sword and chop the creature in half and you go well, just do that to start with like why did you just go straight to that move and every just about every episode, this battleship that have you know fighters going off, they'd pull off other bits and pieces, and it'd always end up though with just aiming this enormous cannon at whatever <laughs> was in the way and firing it. And you got this same sort of effect where light and everything would sort of stagger, and little bits of particles would fly off, and this beam would hit. And yeah, it's a really effective way of looking mm. super powerful because a real laser, of course, it would probably not be that exciting to look at, but. This laser, very exciting to look at. It was, and he so he loses his arm, and he's and then you're thinking, well, what's he going to do now? And then there's another fire coming, like another laser beam comes down straight away, um, and then this time Tetsu follows, like you know, flies up into space and follows the beam mm. right up to the soul system in outer space. Uh, and he basically um, crumbles it a bit, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. And uh, the thing then starts, and I liked, again, I liked this because it continued throughout this whole film, was then the soul just starts firing some beams into the city. Oh, it's just... People are like, ah, because it just blows up a building and all, like all over the shop. It's just Yeah. Like... And then, of course, it starts disintegrating as it comes into, uh, you know, Earth's uh, gravi- gravitational pull, so to speak, and just burns up and the, and the colonel um, said they're watching the little fragments fly falling down onto the city of course yeah and he's a bit of a bit of a tear in the eye because yeah, he's a soldier and this is like his big weapon um and then tetsu pretty coolly just rebuilds his arm with bits and pieces yeah bits and pieces yeah. and bits of metal uh, and, and yeah the, but the, we know that that's the the potential to be able to create yeah and he's done it and he's he's talking with kara at this stage she's she's rocked up yeah and he's like, do you like it you know it's not quite as good, but it, it does the trick. Yes. Um, and this is where the scientist reveals to the colonel that, in fact, that DJ hologram is mm. now identical. And yeah. the colonel's pissed off because he's like, told you to bloody kill him when we, yeah. we were in control. Now, now we've got a Akira all over again. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was that. Uh, and, yeah, he's, he's in this little bit of destroyed Olympic stadium. Um, and the girlfriend, he's got the... Bottles of Akira all over the place. Um, and this is where we start getting the creepy anime kind of going yeah, to a new it's... extreme that he's sort of talking to her and he's talking about the pain in his arm and then his arm kind of like 
plops out with muscle and weird shit, pus and weird stuff, and it's going down, dripping down this chair that he's sitting on, this Olympic chair. Um, and the scientist uh, looking at the hologram is actually saying, "Oh, the power, you know, this power may be actually trying to get out of him, like it's trying to get leave him." Um, and so the colonel decides to go to him, and he does, and he he fires his gun, but this weird, juicy, muscly, juicy. fleshy thing. Yeah, it's very juicy. Wet ass arm. Wet ass arm just oh. flies across and like wow. kind of kicks the colonel. It's like it's like Stretch Armstrong, but all the muscles and yeah, and it's not nice colours either. No, it's... and it's got a bit of the wiring in it as well, like the metal yeah, wiring that he he made his arm out of. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's a creepy, creepy and, moment that. And this is where Tito just starts expanding. He falls over, flops forward, and. He just and his whole body he sort starts of growing and growing. all this weird, yeah, flowing like like soft serve ice cream, but, yeah. but it's fleshy with like some of it purple with veins and some yeah. of it's pink and smooth and uh, it's dreadful. And he starts, uh, you know, and again his head has and that, the wires go out as well. It like, looks like a big baby head type of thing. Yeah, it's no longer human. And his he's these weird fleshy hands with fingers with little fingers. Yeah, <laughs> end, which, which again is kind of that Gant Zero yeah, we're talking yeah. about. Where fingers of fingers. Where's that? The woman of the naked woman. lady made out of naked ladies. <laughs> Every yeah. teenager's best dream, you know. Yeah. Well, until you see it like that. Yeah, until you like, see it and go, oh, actually, that, know, that's, that's kind of less sexy than I thought it would be. <laughs> I thought more boobs would be, you know, but I didn't think too many boobs would, would be such a I problem. mean, I saw the three boobs, and that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you make it four boobs? <laughs> you could see a weirdo. And Paul. Yes. Um, so, yeah, and he, he's, he swallows the girlfriend. The, the yeah, oh, he's telling her, get out of there. Get out like, of there, Karen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she can't. She can't, and she gets stuck into the, the things. Uh, and then also Carnito gets stuck in. And while he's doing all that, he, Tetsu is suddenly saying, I oh, like, you've got to help me. You know, his yeah, voice is actually, it's I like can't control it. The body, yeah, you can hear him clearly. Yeah, on the outside, he's kind of yeah. still just screaming. And he says like, "Oh, you know, the girlfriend's about to die," and she she does. She gets squished, just pops. Yeah, pops his blood, blood everywhere, just blood everywhere. <laughs> um, and then Canada gets absorbed, and you're thinking, "Well, that's Canada gone." And then this is where the the super kids are sitting there and looking at the bottles of Akira, and they start meditating, worshiping it, mm. and, you know, talking to it, and. Um, uh, the, there's a really cool that like, one of the bottles starts bubbling, and uh, so that's it. Uh, the colonel starts doing the old fashioned, you know, well, I'm just going to fire my gun very arny, you know, just bang, 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 yeah, fire into the let's blob. Let's see if shooting him works. Um, and Carnito actually does get released from that firing, so he kind of gets a bit and he free. He shoots his laser and starts free. Yeah. Um, the colonel gets swallowed up by the big blob of flesh. Um, and this is where then the bottles of Akira smash open and you kind of think, oh, what's that? And then a boy arrives. Yeah, a little, little boy steps forward and all light. And Tetsuo sort of rises up and pulls back. He was about to absorb the kids, yeah. super kids. And he sort of pulls back from Akira, revealing the colonel. He drops out. Yep. And I, I think Kaneda uh, sort of is revealed a bit more. Mm. Uh, and this this boy Akira, what does Akira say to him? Is there anything in particular? Or... 
I don't know what he said, but then there's just this massive white flash. Yeah. Um, and the colonel, like, so you're a bit confusing, but then the colonel uh, is, he's out of the Olympic village, like miles away and near these tunnels. And the little girl says to him, get in the tunnels like that. You'll be mm. safer in the tunnels. And so he kind of, and she then disappears again. Um, and then Carnito gets swallowed in by the blob again. Yeah, he's being um, dragged further in because he wants to help. He wants to help. Tetsuo, Tetsuo says, keep, get away from me. Keep, I can't keep calling, yeah. stop it. I can't stop it. And then the one of the boys, uh, one of the super super boys goes to save Carnito. Yes, the, the, um, the younger one. Yeah. Number 26 or is... Number 26, yeah. And this is where the other two super kids, which I talked about earlier, were saying... They were kind of like, they were like, oh, if we go into the white flash and the blob, we might not get back out. Yeah. But then they're like, but he's only a kid. Uh, it's weird. Kids talking about kids like this sounds weird, doesn't it? And then, then they decide, but maybe if we go together, we could all get out. We could maybe use our powers to get out. I think though that they, they then sort of say, but maybe, maybe it's time to go. Yeah. And, and this is that point of, growth isn't it where you suddenly realize that they're in the shape of kids even though they're 40 year olds yeah they look like kids and they've been acting like kids they've got all this power but they've just sort of been not doing anything with it they've been sitting dormant on it and so, not trying to help anyone really and no, they're that's not right. really harming anyone they're just sort of wasting and then they finally grow up and they go well it's it's time to it's time to do it and we might die and maybe that's that's okay like that's all right yeah. and so this is when then there's this big white flash of light and the city just gets wiped out and buildings fall over. And yeah, it's, it's like that and, opening yeah, explosion. Yeah, and um, we get then we enter into the memories, the two thousand one Space Odyssey type we ending, do. where we go through the memories where we see Akira meeting the super kids in the Rene training school. They are learning psychic stuff, and Akira is uh, of superior ability. Yep, and that sort of makes kids happy yeah uh but we know where that leads that leads to i don't know getting chopped into little pieces World War three doesn't it <laughs> yeah yes and then we get some yeah like the, the black and white alternating strobe flashes yeah. and then canada's like flying through some sort of space yeah and he's talking with the super kids um and they say akira will take tetsu away uh, and that's also where they say Kay is actually on the path of being powerful herself. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, this is the city is annihilated. There's um, uh, Tetsu's data. Uh, the scientist is looking at his data and he says, this is the birth of the universe. Yeah, this is just like the birth oh, of the universe. Is, this yeah. is weird, you know, this is all the data. Assignment. And then um, everything and every, everyone sort of, Dust and water is a pretty strong symbol here. Like a lot of the buildings kind of, some buildings just crumble into dust mm. and then water also flows up where it wasn't before. So some of the buildings are then like in water and... Yeah, oh, and the scientists like, get squished in and this And the scientist is, yeah, he's just done. Um, and Carnito is kind of in this weird space, isn't he? And he, he catches a white ball. Yeah, the, that big white sphere that expanded out and destroyed the city yeah, it turns into this little white ball it drops down time. and it's uh, isn't it funny I watched this two nights ago 
I can't remember if there were little voices talking to him, like Tetsuo was sort of saying his last goodbye type of thing. I don't think so, no. Why no. do I think that? That's so weird. Not in my version, anyway. And, um, and then he, he catches it in his hands, and, yeah, he's... That is Tetsuo. That's, that's yeah. Akira, Tetsuo, the three kids. They've all gone. And, yeah, Kay comes up and says they've all gone. Yeah. And, and then I, I like this, the white beams of light. So this is yeah. like, almost like new sun breaking through clouds, yeah. or is it um, the the afterglow of Tetsuo leaving? Yeah. You don't really know, but it, it it's a peaceful, whereas earlier we had Sol doing the same thing, but the yeah. beams were destruction. Yes. And now we've got this very peaceful, it looks like it's like the storm clouds are clearing away, light is bathing down, people start coming out of, you know, there's been survivors. They start coming out. It's going to be Neo, Neo Tokyo. Yeah. <laughs> Neo, Neo. And this is where Tokyo. we get the kind of, the with those white beams as they're kind of going across the city, the voiceover from the super kids is something, something along the lines of someday we ought to know what happens because it's already begun. Yes. And I, and I saw that as... You know, um, yeah, because they talked about Kay having the power, and and yeah. ma- but maybe she's going to be more in the good good side. Well, of it. she seemed a bit more mature. Like yeah, her desires and intention were more altruistic than they were the other people. Like Tetsuo just wanted self agency. You know, he wanted yeah. he wanted the ability to determine for himself, and he sort of wanted a bit of revenge on the world yeah. for being treated poorly. The kids. They just want to stay kids. They didn't yeah. want to have any responsibility. They had his power, but wanted no responsibility. Yeah. Want to keep out of it. Uh, they finally learnt that and immediately transcended, I suppose. Kay, Kay has always wanted to... I'm not entirely sure what her desire with the... She, she wasn't really into the terrorism and stuff, no. but she was sort of supportive of anti-government yeah, movement. Yeah, anti-government. And wanted better for, for the world. Yeah. So I... It is that hopeful ending where you're thinking, okay, well, Kay, Kay looks a bit cooler, a bit more in control. Looks like she's got a focus that isn't herself. Yeah. So yeah, and then we get yeah the I am Tetsuo. Tetsuo. <laughs> the end. The end. It's a, it, to me, it's a hopeful ending. It feels like you're, you know, that we've gone through this level of destruction, mm. and then now we've got an opportunity to start again. Rebirth. I, I remember the then, turmoil I felt when I first watched this. I was like, was that the coolest movie I've ever seen? Or is that like the weirdest and stupidest movie I've seen? Or is it, and I, I, was, I had that unsure of what the ending meant. It, was that a good ending? Yeah. I sort of wanted Kaneda to rescue Tetsuo, but uh, it didn't happen. And so it was, it was a bit confusing. But I, as you said, overall, there was that sense of hope because... The world had gotten better. Yes. Well, definitely. had been destroyed. But well, it's also nice. It, it was, I remember at the time, an unusual thought to think that you could have a better world out of destruction. And you look at a movie like Fight Club where they're going to destroy all the world's debt. And basically, you know, God knows what sort of chaos that would bring. Uh, it'd make farmers a lot richer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and I, and I get this when I watch a zombie apocalypse. You always get someone going, it's all gone, everything's gone. It's all... And I always just want to say to them, 
Why do you think that's a bad thing? What do you mean everything's gone? Yeah. Nothing's gone. It's all still there. Like, all of your stuff, your TV's gone. Crimea River, mate. Have you watched TV? The only decent thing is to listen to podcasts. <laughs> That's right. Like us. But, yeah, but but there is always... I, I Having watched Akira back when I was a teenager, I get this view now when I see these apocalypses and, and people... Like, I sort of think, in a way, it's kind of a, a fresh start. It's yeah. like a... Uh, a new beginning, like like they said in in Fight Club, destroy all those banks' records. The vast majority of people get to start over. Of course, God knows what that's going to do to the fabric of society and how many people are going to suffer for the chaos. And but the point being is the the underlying sentiment of yeah, you know, you were slaving away to to pay for a car that you couldn't afford to go to a job you needed to pay for that car and the house you know like all those sorts of things it's yeah, just yeah. this this trap you get stuck in it's like the you know the person who does drugs to forget about their crap life and they've got a crap life because they do drugs so i think well something's at some point you need a, a a really strong break in the cycle which is going to seem like an ending but it's actually also a beginning well it just made me thought because we'll we'll get into the latter idea with these classics but it made me thought think of you know demolition man's a good example isn't it that Society was crumbling, really violent. Yeah. <clears throat> then massive earthquake, some sort of huge national uh, disaster. Didn't they sort of say like California slipped off into the ocean? Yeah. Or something? Like, yeah. It was just... so, so, so something horrendous. But then out of that, they've kind of created, okay, it's not the greatest, but a more peaceful society, which is still not perfect because of the class problem. But then the story of Demolition Man is like it implies that then by the end we can actually kind of bring maybe those two worlds together and actually then still create a better society. Yeah, But maybe it needed the earthquake to kind of wake everyone up, you know? Like that was, again, like in Akira, what we do now is not necessarily the answer, but it can make people think about what is the actual. And that, that was my exact argument about why we should have spent more as a country on the NBN. <laughs> uh, I had my father-in-law ask me this, but what are we going to use you know, a gigabit fiber link to a home for? And I said, it doesn't matter. Who knows? It's just, it's the spark. There's someone will find something. You know, if you've got that opportunity, if you've got the potential, if you've got that energy sitting there, someone's going to find a way to make use of it. Um, as a result, we end up with a cheaper... Because that was the same sort of answer that all the IT people were saying. It was like, who knows what we could do with that? It's yeah. amazing. And everyone's like, I'm sorry, but $40 billion amazing? It'll be more than It'll be revolutionary. In what way? Give me a number. I can't. Yeah, and so we have the same same deal here. So what about your ladder? For me, because I am ranking them, um, for me, this one does come in. We've now done episode 48. This is our eighth classic. Um, so for me, I am actually, when I put it in that order of all the classics, I am putting it at eighth. Um, but I know you've come into this film as one of your well, top ones, and I know you're doing your classics. Yeah, I, and I've been thinking about, we've, we've talked about this ladder situation and the, the difficulty of trying to, because I liken it, 
like uh, like MasterChef. Yeah. Or Australian Idol or something. You know, in MasterChef, the people you see in the contest week to week are all good cooks. They're all good, yeah. That's how they got to that point. Yeah, of course. Well, these are all classic. And then, so when someone drops off, it's not because they're the worst. No. But it's because in the competition situation at that time, yeah. they didn't perform as well. And I think that's more the way this applies here is that given uh, a certain, like all of the ones in the classics here, you, you, it's not that I'm putting them in, I can't put them in a preferred order. No. Like this one is distinctly better or I prefer this one. It's more the case that um, if you've got to put them in some order at all, yeah. how do you do it? And I like the way you said also, perhaps it's a recommended watching order. Yeah. And I would say you should probably watch something like um, Akira first and then like maybe Space Odyssey because the two of them have that same sort of... Actually, you know, you'd watch like Akira and then watch something like Predator to cleanse the palate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, to give you that other side of things. And then Space Odyssey. So you're, you're opening your mind up so that when you're getting to um, Demolition Man, you're not just seeing a plain old action film. You're seeing more, like you said, like this is a bit of a class battle. There's a renewal. There's... Yeah. There's um, ideas here of apocalypse, and apocalypse doesn't always have to mean, uh, you know, a desert wasteland. It could be yeah. what's depicted in Demolition Man, which yeah. is like a so-called ideal society, yeah. which you couldn't even say was dystopian, no, because the the it was you know it, it was a society without much of a crime. Like the police didn't know how to handle violence. Yeah. You can't tell me that's a dystopian society. No, it's not. But it's just it's not a fully functional one. Uh and and yeah, so I'm thinking I'm thinking of reorganizing these according to sort of um and I'm thinking of what I'll do is to the classics, the other ones because we've got 40 or 35 or whatever of the other ones. There's probably too many to do this, but to go through and say here's an order I would suggest you watch these in and here's the reasoning and why you would th- what you would think or get from each of these so that by the end of your classic watch you've attained some overall view of science fiction genre mm. and storytelling yeah and the sorts of ideas and imagery and so when you come out of the end of that you can then go and watch any of these other science fiction movies in the rest of our ladder and get nice bits out of each of them, you know, yeah. regardless of where they are in the ladder, because you've got to put them some list, is you'll go, oh, look, this one's really good because it, it made me think about this aspect of society. This one's really good because the technology on it so is really So I think that's what we should do with the classic ladder is maybe it's, this is the recommended watch. Yeah, and I think we need to have uh, like this, order. just like a sentence saying yeah. what you're going to get from that, in that order and why. And that way... That way, I think that people could come back through, yeah, and get more, yep, uh, or something different out of it. Yeah. Well, that sounds really good. I think that's a good idea. Tell us what you think where that would go on your type ladder. I reckon that we should just go into what do you think was the science in this show? Sorry, what what stood out to you? Oh my goodness! What was what? the part that you want to well, delve I, into? The problem is, I've already spoken a bit about uh, consciousness. Because there was a couple other movies we watched about you know, consciousness and so forth, but uh, I really liked the bikes. I also really liked the lasers. Lasers are very cool because 
they're they're, they're a strange culmination of a couple of technologies which are I mean at once they're like solar panels solar panels are actually really quite simple in concept yeah but when you look at their effect they're really cool and lasers are much like that so 1955 uh who is it Arthur C Clarke was credited with to win the first energy weapons yep. light lasers I can't remember what he called them. But in 1960, the laser was invented. And the laser is uh, what light amplification through stimulation of emitted radiation. (laughs) Laser. (laughs) But interestingly enough, it has become its own distinct word now. So it originally was an acronym. Now it's actually laser. uh, And there's a verb to laze. So a laser lasers. (laughs) So yeah, it's it's you know you would talk about a laser lasing at nanometers. And <laughs> Mark, have you have you heard of any of the materials involved in lasers? No, not at you all. You heard of like a, a ruby laser or nah, no? Oh, nah, okay. I'm totally in the dark with lasers. So yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yes. Yeah, so so um, a laser then is is light that is. Um, goes all in the same direction. So light is made up of photons and a photon is a little packet yeah. of energy and that it's all going in the same direction uh, in the same polarization with a wavelength that's the same and its phase is very close to being the same. What we'd, what we'd like is to have it all exactly the same. So what it means you can do then is you've got a whole lot of photons all heading the same way, carrying the same amount of energy and they all pack in very close together. Uh, and kind of work in concert together in that way. And the reason we can use them for cutting and so forth is because uh, if you think of a um, like a stage light, you've no doubt felt the heat coming off a stage light. Like that is, that heat, that's photons. Yep. Uh, you're generally in the infrared spectrum. But because it's just scattered everywhere, they're not all in the same direction with the same phase and all the rest of it. You just get a, like you have to have a very powerful stage light for you to feel warm. Mm. And you, there are those, some of those stadium lights, for yeah. example, can get so hot, you can burn paper, uh, you know, just from the light coming off of them. But lasers are great because when you're getting hit by that light, only some of it is heading directly onto you. Most of it is being scattered out in all directions. And so you're getting grazing hits as it'll, they bounce off you and, what have you. Lasers, because you can get it all heading in the same direction, you can focus a great deal of photons from you know a, a large proportion, say 30% of the energy going in can be focused as photons onto a small spot. And that's what makes them powerful. But the technology behind it is so simple. I, I stop for a moment in quotation marks, but it is. So what it is, is you have a what's called a medium which is uh, a ruby, for example, or some gas, or um, you know some other crystal, which has got um, particular doping in it, which is similar to solar panels, really. So it's so if you can imagine, uh, ruby is corundum with. Boy, I cannot understand, cannot remember, but you can imagine it, it's a it's a crystal made up of a couple different things, and and inside that crystal structure, there's little atoms of one type of atom in a whole bunch of other atoms. And 
and you can do that with like carbon dioxide or helium neon mixes. Uh, but ruby lasers are nice yeah. because they gives you this nice red thing. So you've got this medium uh, which has atoms in it with electrons at um, set points. And electrons sit in shells, if you remember your chemistry. So you, you, you look at different electron shells. Right. And the reason they sit at these shells is because of you know, their uh, photons are what makes them become more excited. So if you excite, if you pour photons into an atom, the electrons go further away from the nucleus, but they go right. out in steps. So the smallest increment an electron can move away from the atom is a one photon's worth of energy mm-hmm. because a photon is the quanta of energy. You can't get smaller than one photon. Yeah, right. So if you get an atom with uh, an electron shell with, um, you know, an unstable electron shell at the right energy distance from the nucleus, then say a, a red photon will hit it, a, a, a red photon being a visible light, red, will hit it. It'll make that electron jump up. Yep. And then at some point, it doesn't stay there forever because it's unstable. It'll drop back down. And when it drops back down, it, it releases that energy again. And so you get a red photon. And normally that goes off in a random direction. But there's this other interesting quantum effect that if you have a photon passing by an already excited electron, that electron will drop and the photon will go in the same direction. So now you've got two photons traveling exactly the same direction, the same phase, and it's a laser. We're yeah, yeah. About. So if you've got a chunk of this ruby and then you hit it with light, yep. just a, a torch, yep. electricity, Exposed to an energetic field so that its electrons of the little bits of atoms inside it jump out to the shell. And then at 90 degrees to that, you fire, say, another light at the wavelength you want. When the photons from that light pass through and pass by, you get photons dropping out as these... um, as this quantum effect occurs. And so you, you get an amplification of the incoming light gets amplified by the atoms, electron shells contracting, releasing photons in the same direction. And if you put a couple of mirrors at either end of this, you'll get a light beam bouncing around inside there. One of the mirrors, of course, will be slightly transparent. And so once you've got a powerful enough light reflecting, It'll be it'll overcome the threshold of the mirror and will pass through, and that's your laser. And if you if you carefully balance the amount of energy you're putting into this medium, this ruby, mm-hmm. versus the strength and size of the mirrors, yeah, you'll reach a, a nice equilibrium point where you can just get a very nice, clean laser shooting at the other end. So yeah. it's it's just there's no moving parts to it. It's you know electrifying a ruby or a gas or yep. whatever and then shining a light through it and that's a laser and it's that's it blows my mind that it's it's that kind of i say it's simple it's it it is complex i guess in its own way but it's really quite as simple as there's no um moving parts it's there's no. nothing funny like that going on and so the, the nice thing there is that you can then produce these lasers and lasers have a lot of useful tools uh, we're trying to use them as weapons. Everyone wants to use them as a weapon. Uh, the reason you want to use them for a weapon, for example, in space, is they have 
essentially no recoil because yeah. photons have no mass. If you shoot a photon one direction, Newton's third law would say you have an equal and opposite reaction in the other direction. Well, you've got no mass, so the reaction is zero. Yeah. Which means if you're a spaceship flying around, yeah, shooting a laser won't push you backwards against your thrusters. Yeah, it won't right. knock you off course. Or if you're a person firing a laser gun, you're not going to go spinning. If you tried to fire a normal pistol in space with no gravity, you'd spin off in all sorts of weird directions. Yeah, you wouldn't be able yeah. to do it. The other nice thing is they travel at the speed of light. So if someone's shooting a missile towards you, it's traveling at know, a couple of times the speed of sound, and you've got a laser that can shoot at the speed of light, then you've got plenty of time to shoot that missile down before it gets to you. So that does make you wonder, do you think a lightsaber, it's a lightsaber or a laser? Lightsaber, I don't know. I think it's yeah. magic. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I think there's magic in it, but it's just kind of like, because everything you were saying, I was like thinking, oh, is a lightsaber a laser? But then it doesn't go, the lasers go forever. Well, they'll go until I get hit and absorbed by something, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like there's all that debate about a laser pointer at planes. You're not allowed to do that. It's yeah. illegal. But then they have to be powerful, don't they? Because there's yeah. little kind of crappy Yeah, but our, eyes, our that... eyes are very sensitive. Yeah. So they don't have to be that powerful to no. dazzle. So how do we get the lasers to like, instead of, yeah, our eyes are sensitive, but what about I want to burn a hole through your you chest? want to burn a hole through me like in yeah. Akira. Yeah, you can do that, and we, we've made those. There's a 60-kilowatt laser being created, and it's funny because it's often not burning it through you that is the problem. What you'd want to do is, because we're talking about photons, and we can very carefully um, uh, choose the wavelength and phase of our photons, as I said, because they're in this nice laser pattern, and, and when you get a laser, it's, it's very precise in its energy. If you get uh, an energy level or an, uh, a wavelength of light, for example, which interacts strongly with moisture or water, then what you would really want to do is you fire lots of little pulses at a person and you're not trying to burn through but rather vaporize little bits of water molecules on their, on their skin in their cells and essentially rip a person to pieces. With shockwaves. Yeah, right. So you'd use a pulse laser in the 9 kilowatt range. Only what you see on the shelves, buddy, from Terminator. But you'd, <laughs> you'd use a pulse laser, for example, to cause shockwaves, which would, you know, it wouldn't even necessarily burn through a person's body, but you'd get explosions inside their flesh. Yes. Uh, the downside, of course, is there's moisture in the atmosphere. So your range would be quite limited. And you'd need to have it hooked up to a, you know, a probably a, a truck-sized generator to be able to... <laughs> so that's the problem. It kind of goes back to military 100 years ago, doesn't it? They, yeah, you they... may as well just use a normal gun or yeah. a knife. Yeah, a knife is a powerful. lot cheaper and you could stab it in someone and no worries, yeah. yeah. So, but they're, Sorry, they're, they're trying to do it. So pull you up your weapon of choice. I need a truck yeah, to stand right next to me to power up my laser. Yeah, this so... thing's going to freaking burn a hole through you, buddy. Oh, you watch out. <laughs> Meanwhile... But... Sh- sh- Bang. You know, the, the, you know, the Sol cannon? Yeah. So one of the, back in the 80s, there was this idea of the Strategic Defense Initiative, the SDI, yeah. space weapons. And one of those was called, very cool, it's called a, a nuclear-pumped X-ray laser. Jesus. And so what that means, because as I said, you, you have your bit of ruby, and then you shine a light onto it to energize 
it so that when you shine your laser through the other side, you get a strong laser. Uh, that's called the pump, the light that you're shining on there to energize it. So if you then use a nuclear bomb focused on glass rods, you basically are putting the nuclear energy power into glass rods. The glass rods then release energy in uh, you know as their atoms collapse. Uh, releasing X-rays, an X-ray laser will penetrate through atmosphere and destroy missiles. You know, it's an incredibly expensive process. Sounds very uh, Superman, doesn't it? Like it does. Glass, glass rods that are nuclear. Yeah, yeah. But I, I guess at the time, they were thinking, you know, intercontinental ballistic missiles. Yeah. Yeah, it's expensive to launch a satellite with a. It's because it's a one-shot weapon, as you can imagine. It blows yeah, yeah. up, uh, and you go, "Well, why not just drop the bomb?" Oh well, I, you know, and that's what it came down to. It's just yeah. it's like it's fabulously expensive and kind of a bit pointless, but it sounds really cool. And the idea, though, is still interesting because we're coming up with fusion generation, which might allow lasers the power of which we have never come across before. Yeah, and I mean, I suppose like battery as well, right? Like if batteries get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, they can they can hold a kilowatt power up more. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. And then you could put that on a drone or something, and then that drone could fly and just laser someone. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you'd probably use it to do like fry delicate, sensitive equipment and so on. Well, yeah, that would, still that always... wouldn't actually require much power, then, would it? No, no, and and that's what is used as a um. If you read a lot of the science fiction, like uh, I was reading, who was it? Okay, forget about these things. Yeah, but, but there's ideas, for example, that they have these lasers, and lasers aren't very good in space battles because of range considerations. Yeah. Because you're going to be sensing someone light seconds away. So you yeah. fire a laser now, and as you said, you, you fired like one of those little pen lasers. So it's like, you know, as wide as your little pinky finger. Yeah, yeah. By the time it reaches the moon, it's 500 kilometers wide and really weak. So, yeah, you fire your laser at some enemy ship and it's not going to do jack. No. But if it hits, you know, a little antenna, which is supposed to be trying to track your missiles, which are coming in at some ridiculous speed. Yeah. Yeah, that'll help. It'll just take out the really the sensitive alien's eye. Like, ah, yeah. damn it, I can't see now. <laughs> I can't fire the ballistic. Yeah, but anyway, I I just yeah, lasers are just one of those really cool things. It's it's yeah. an old technology from sixty sixty years old now, but we keep finding new and improved uses for it. Yeah, because we can fine tune these photons so well. Yeah, for scanning imagery, uh, it's used in the. Um, Do they use it to burn off warts and stuff? Yeah, or something and, like that. Something medically. Hairs and. And there's experiments being done where you, you fire a bunch of lasers in at a single point and all the photons, because you can control the photons so well, actually compress an atom down. Like they're trying to recreate um, environments similar to the Big Bang or yeah. inside stars. And so for just a very right. fraction of a millisecond, they can compress stuff down a huge amount. And there's also laser cooling. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. So the idea is that... If you've got um, heat, is just a you know vibrations. It's kinetic energy, so you've got an atom vibrating a little bit. Yeah. And then if you know roughly what sort of vibrations they're talking about, 
you can create a laser which vibrates, you know, the wavelength is um, phase offset. Yep. And so you can get a couple of these lasers and basically use them to push the atom to a stop. So it comes down to, and that's how they get stuff down to almost absolute zero uh, and do their zero point energy experiments. So as you can see, lasers just, and, and that when I watched Akira the first time, him firing his laser, and yeah, I soul. was just, I just loved it. And that soul blast, it's just, the little boy in me just giggled with delight. <laughs> Such a ridiculously powerful weapon. Yeah, yeah. And it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Like if you come out of a war and sort of like, you're like, well, we need something in space. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like that's the ultimate protection, isn't it? Like hard you, to, hard you're going to blow the shit out of us, like on land or from a, from a, you know, a, a, a navy ship or something. We have fucking this satellite in space that can just you can't hide from it. You no, know, you can't hide from it unless you're a god. But yeah, yeah. still that, got him once. Took off an arm. Yeah, like if it, if it caught him a little bit better, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, could have done it. Akira nearly got him if he had a charged up laser. He got him dead center in the chest there. Yeah. But just torched and burnt his shirt. That's right. Shame. So that's that's my love of lasers. Because <laughs> they're just very... Oh, I didn't even talk about firing lasers at solar panels. But anyway, because <laughs> I love solar panels too. You do love solar panels. They, they just seem like science fiction right there. They do, so, but cinematography. You've seen a, a couple of these anime movies now. Mm. Well, so what are you thinking about that? Well, I mean, it's, it's interesting because we talked. I talked a fair bit about this in Gantz, but again, it's. I mean, this is obviously a much older film than Gantz. So for me, it, I'm new to this subgenre um, in the science fiction world. But you know, again, just to remind everyone that we kind of have things in the corners. Rule of thirds, we're like, we're really developed into one corner. I mentioned earlier, like that moment that um, uh, Tetsu, when he first escapes from the hospital, there's like a really quick montage, like eyes, legs, feet, the nurse, you know, smashing a door. Mm. Like there's in in uh, anime as well, like they jump through things really rapidly like that and they just give you these little macro shots. Well, it's kind of almost taken from the, the comic book origins. Yeah. You know, yeah. And... I think they, they uh, the Wachowskis borrowed that for the Matrix. They did, they, they totally did that, and it was just that in in terms of and not even in in other cinemas you can find that type of. Uh, sorry, what I mean by other cinemas, I mean other um, styles that have happened over the time of film history. You mm. can see these these things. You know, Korean cinema for a long time has done this sort of stuff. Even Hong Kong. Uh, Jackie Chan films way back in Hong Kong in the early 90s and stuff like there was a lot of this stuff going on the Wachowskis just kind of brought it to the mainstream mm. with The Matrix um, and anime had been doing it for a long time it's just again bringing it to the mainstream that's all um, with the with The Matrix but yeah again we have these interesting things like of you know the clo- extreme close-ups pushing things to the extremities of the shot uh, real attention to details, whether that's eyes and door handles, and and you know a big, a, a you know a glass rolling on the yeah, floor. Yeah, the way it like, rolled on the floor yeah. as well. It didn't just fall over and roll straight because it's a tapered glass. It 
rolled in a slight arc. Yes. Just like a real glass. And this yeah. was hand animation. This is one computer yeah, this animation. Is, this is totally hand, this film. So, so it's all those things that, first of all, I want to kind of say is like that anime look is, you know, intense in this film. Even the way the city... You see those shots of the city um, at the start and when the bomb goes off and then at the end, uh, we talked about the clouds and the light beams coming through and, you know, like there is a real anime comic book style um, consistent throughout. The sound, you, you were talking about the sound on that particular earlier with the car chase. There was this real juxtaposition to the sound, wasn't there, in this film? Yes. Like, as you said, like you described it well earlier, I think, like, you know, a bike scene, we could have had like real heavy rock and roll or punk music or something going and it would have fit the vibe, but instead he's gone for like tribal beats mm. and that's it. It's just like a real tribal beat to it and it really stuck. There was actually a bit a bit later with electronic, that song got a bit stuck in my head. Like I could hear that sound, you know. You know? Um, there was also like when Tetsu... I'm pretty sure it's when Tetsu like gets powerful and starts becoming the cape. Instead of it being epic, uh, you know, Superman thematic John Williams kind yeah. of music, it was this real like, yeah, it was all voices. Like, like, like it was just da, voices talking. Da, yeah, da. <laughs> um, the da dum bits like the da da. <laughs> um, I think there's a connection there. I reckon that this film does have a connection to 2001. I, I would be not surprised that... Well, 2001's theme is a little bit about evolution. Like exactly. There's that the in monolith there. was occurring at each phase of humans' evolution until the, I guess, at the end there where you had that odd oddity. Yeah, oddity thing. Yeah. And then in, in this one here, it's it's also about growing up, evolving. Mm. Yeah, oh yeah, there's a similarity thing. There's a, there's a difference in a similarity, but it felt I felt there was moments in here that Tears on One is not at all anime. The style is not so in fact it's quite some of the filmatic things are almost the opposite of an anime, but it's like it just, I just feel like there was some maybe homage to it in mm. this film or some connection to it, you know. And I think the music played a role. So there was some, there was tribal beats, there was it was almost like, and there's ooh-ahs and, and da-dums and whispering, but it's almost like if you took a song and then took out the components. So instead of having a rock song, you you take out the guitar, you take out the bass, you take out the singing, you're left with the drums. Yeah. And then in another part of the, the song, another part of the movie, uh, here's this song, but we're not going to have any drums. Yeah. And we're not going to have any guitar. We're just going to have the singing. You know, so it's like it's like he stripped the music back, and it was very interesting. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. liked it. And and of course, also the moments of silence. Yeah, you know, every now and then there'd just be silence, and something would happen. Yes, which, yeah, that was quite unreal feeling. Yeah, see, like in two thousand and one, if you remember, there's, um, like at the end in the weird bit, it's there's silence. There's no. There is no um, sound at the end of yeah. the film in that real absurd world. Um, there is, there's also earlier, then there's the real orchestral moments of the spaceships docking and stuff. So it's like you go through those extremities in 2001. So then the blood red, like we've mentioned a few times throughout the, 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 pl- the plot, we have the uh, Akira's cape is red, we have a lot of blood spilling and it's kind of exaggerated. 
at the start, we have the explosion of red, like illuminating us. Um, the titles are done in blood red. The actual motorbike is in blood red. So anything that appears like this too continuously throughout the film is definitely a motive. Yeah. Uh, and it's very symbolic. Now, traditionally, sim, um, blood red is uh, tends to mean like danger and blood. It can mean the opposite, which of course is like love and lust. But and I don't passion. think that's what and passion. But I don't think that's what they were going for. Well, in a sort of a way, it does. His motorbike red because his motorbike was very important to him. It was more important than the the the, the girls that hung yeah, around. Yeah. The is more important than I suppose being nice to Tetsuo. And at the end, even though it's all battered up, he kind of still goes limps through. off with it. You know, yeah. that's that's his heart. As it is were. his heart, but yeah, in that way. Yeah. So anyway, it's interesting. It's always good. I love seeing a film play off something like that. So yeah, it's a really interesting film. Well worth looking at in terms of those technical abilities. Well worth looking at to understand what the filmmaker is probably trying to say about us as humanity mm. and the possibility that we have, you know, maybe life versus destruction. Um, but let us know what you thought about Akira and also us talking about it. Is it your favourite film, sorry? No, I can't say it's my favourite because there's too many that are my favourite. <laughs> it It is a movie that sits with me as a classic. I shall forever have images of it and ideas and thoughts of it burned into my mind, yes. And I, I think for anyone out there, I mean, I was new to this film and... It stuck with me, you know, and it made me think. And like I said earlier, like, like that, I think that's always a good sign of a good film because you, if you keep thinking about it a few days later, it means it's made an impression on your brain, yeah. you know, and that's a good thing. So tell us what you thought about Akira and check us out on all our socials. I won't be bagging socials when I talk about this. So Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, basically just look up Space Brains, Space Brains podcast. podcast. Yeah. Also find any of the 40 episodes that are available on gravityundone.net and also through normal and things like check, Spotify Check and out, Apple. say, episode 36, Occupation, and then listen to 39, the interview with the director and writer of that movie. It'll, it? it's, it's a really good way of marrying together what you're seeing on the screen with what was, you know, the, the struggles in getting it on there, yeah. as well as the intention of it going there, its yeah. history. And it, it really, I mean, I, I've gotten so much out of these, in, these interviews we do with yeah. the, the directors. I mean, isn't, isn't that a great resource now? Go watch the movie, listen to us talk about it, and then listen to us talk to Luke about what he actually wanted to get done and, and also his plan for the future. So, oh, so that's we've really got exciting. Our, we've got our ticket for got our the tickets. sequel. We're going to go see the sitcom at the... No, sitcom. sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> sequel at the world premiere, which is pretty exciting. Oh, I'm excited about that. I have to put on some good pants for that. So. Yeah, I'll definitely be wearing pants when I go. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening. Next episode, are we going to go for Infinity, which we've mentioned before? It's an Australian sci-fi. We'll go back to that. Do you want to do that? Sounds fantastic. Okay, let's do that. And this was Space Brains. Lasering. Is that the right one? Lazing. Lazing. Jeez, it sounds like we're lazy. Yeah, well, we're not wrong. <laughs> Watch out for soul, it's coming. Doo, doo, doo. See ya. Bye. Bye.